All right, hello everybody. Welcome to our 19th episode with a very special guest and a dear friend of mine and possibly of Troy as well. I'm not going to put words in Troy's mouth. <laughs> Lycan is one of the staples of our scene. Uh, I know him as Justin. You know him as Dallycan or Delican or just Lycan. But we found out today Dallycan is still in your Skype handle. So it is. Now, there's going to be an interesting story involving Lycan's beginnings, because for many of you here, you never got to see him play, but he started out as a competitor multiple seasons in the original beginnings of Pro League before eventually transitioning to a coach. And then since then, well, he's a world champion. So, Justin, welcome to the show. If you'd like, as we always do, start at the beginning, your humble beginnings in Rainbow Six. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me, first off. I'm happy to be here. Um, first off for me, it was a interesting, like transition period for me and gaming wise, I had been playing league forever and I was trying to find, um, a different game to play. And at the time I decided to play heroes of the storm, which I mean, I wasn't really changing much. I was sticking with MOBAs, I guess. And my brother got me a key for closed beta. And so um, back then, I don't know if most people remember, but you had to have like perfect net types to be able to play with each other. And my brother and I both had closed beta keys, but we couldn't play with each other because of our net types. And the only way that we could play with each other was if we had another person that would invite us both into the same party. So we would usually play at the same time and like in Discord together, but we wouldn't really get to play games together that often, which was kind of a bummer, but I'm glad we worked through that as a as a game. Um, played through closed beta, I loved it because it was like a mix of operators having um, like their own abilities. So it was kind of MOBA-esque, but also to a shooter, which I was looking to get into. And from there, I just kind of, Waited for the open beta came out. I played all that. I loved it. And then I literally have been playing it ever since. Quit playing Heroes of the Storm. I quit playing all games. The only other games I'd play is kind of like Hearthstone on the side or something. And um, I just grinded Rainbow Six. And that's how I kind of got into it. Um, I the, How I got into comp was basically in January, quickly after the game came out. Uh, a guy named Fluffy, he had these like tournaments that he put on and uh, got into those. And I was under a team called Chess Shots Only. It was uh, the first team that we came up with. And it was uh, me, my brother, uh, B-Sharp, or Brody. He changed his name. He was in season one with me on Astral Authority. And then um, Amethyst, who's a real-life friend of mine who was also on that season one team. And then we had a, like basically a rotating fifth, which is just like people all we picked up literally playing casual and ranked. We were like, that's how we found uh, B Sharp. We just like had a good time playing with them, and I just added him, and we just kept playing with them. Same thing with Exec, Exec, who later on went to make Continuum. I found him in just a casual game, and we were just playing, and we saw that he was a streamer. Added him, and then started playing with him, and then he started playing comp with us. So. Yeah, we uh, at first we thought it was just like something fun to do. Um, I'd never played really besides like League Go Force. Never really got into like playing video games that competitively. 
and we would win a lot of games and so we just kept doing it i uh i mean my first uh my first recollection of of who you were came through ccs and <clears throat> at the time i'm pretty sure around those days you were on onslaught i want to say um with talent yeah this is obviously going to be a when we get into it, a, a fun story but it, it seems like there was no stability in the early scene of rainbow six you know you go back and you try to sift through the liquipedias or you try to sift through the vods of these na teams from the first even the first four to five seasons of pro league and with the exception of maybe like a dozen people, the rest just seem like they got Thanos snapped out of existence. Like, they, it's not even that they don't play anymore. It's just that nobody knows where they go. It's just yeah. they, 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 they were vaporized. Like, how much of a yeah. challenge is it for you to build a roster based on people who are going to play like a season or two and then just oof? Yeah, I mean, back then, it really was kind of like a kill or be killed, honestly. Um, for me, and I think, too, for Troy, for the most part, once he settled down, I had made my own teams because I was in IGL. So I never really was in that much jeopardy because I was the foundation until the story we tell later, which we'll get there. But uh, <laughs> um, no, that my first ever experience with... Troy actually was before the first season ever started. We competed in a tryout against each other for the team mythic spot. I was the IGL and captain of which we became heist when ESL like started their like first ever go for qualifier pro league tournaments. And we were doing really well in that. I think Troy was on a team called AOX, which came became Kingdom. And then I was on Heist, and both our teams were doing really well. We were top three. He got a chance to be on TM, which back then was known as the best team. They would win all like the amateur tournaments before ESL came out. So like that was the team you wanted to be on, even though we were on two teams that were technically higher seeded. Like everyone wanted to be on that team, and Troy ended up beating me out for that that spot. Um, and then, so I stayed with Heist. And right after that, I like that's when I changed my roster up. We picked up Sov, who's now our assistant coach. And then also, too, um, we picked up FPS Zed, who was really popular back then as well, but for multiple reasons. I remember FPS Zed. We had to, we <laughs> yeah. had to play tests with him. Yep. No, that's... Uh, it was a different time of the game. But yeah, it was like killer be kill. Yeah, it was for me like like you said at at first actually I wasn't like the captain or anything of the team. Like I just randomly played and yeah. then like I met people and then that's how I met the AOX guys which was ended up being like Nate and VK. Um that still, that was like the main one and then there was like yeah, yeah. still Cass um mm -hmm. Who's the fifth? Fuck. I forget who our first fifth was. I don't know. I know Remorse ended up coming later, I believe, but that was after you were gone. I forget who it was. We had Pistola, we had, but he wasn't our fifth. It was a different guy. Fuck, who was it? I think his name was... Was it Patron? I don't know. I don't remember. Anyways. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we there was a bunch of different iterations, and like that's how I met Nate. But I w- I wanted to make changes to the team. I remember, and the rest of the guys didn't, mm-hmm. and that's why I tried to join TM and ended up joining. But yeah, it's uh, I, I remember when I first got involved. It's so hard to go back and compile all the information. Like I mean, even right now, if you look at your liquipedia page it doesn't have your age on it it has your approximate winnings as two thousand dollars which leads me to believe they haven't the si 2020 hasn't happened um and then if you look it's like astral authority 201 question mark question mark question mark question mark then even know when in the 2010s it was (laughs) it's like 2010 and then it's the, was, same, yeah. it's the mm-hmm. same thing with ferocity and then finally they're like onslaught they're like mm, 2017 at least we've got yeah. that one nailed down i was um so this is like the first big like part of my career that was kind of something i regret we were a very good team uh astral authority <laughs> um and we came out the gate like pretty much in first place um and there was like a really funny game. Basically, we had to play Clever right after <laughs> Clever got exposed. And we like if you go back, we ended up 5-0ing, 5-1ing them. Like it's the day after he got exposed, and then his team got mopped by us. <laughs> and then like we got we ended Truly up in fortunate. <laughs> yeah. And then um we we got um we were in first place, but the way that ESL was handling it, we handled the way that they were handling it very bad. We were like, there's no chance this game goes anywhere. ESL doesn't know what they're doing. Like, what's the point of even scrimming? And we like, we were like, screw it. We're just going to stream all our scrims. Like, we literally streamed GoFors. We streamed scrims. Like, we didn't care because we were like, there's no chance. Like, they're just letting cheaters play. And people started catching up quickly in counter-striding us. And it got bad quick for us. And I regret that because I feel like we could, there was a chance I feel like we could have made it to the first season's like land if we did a little bit better, but that was us. And then, so like after that happened, I actually quit the game with like, with that attitude, I left and I went, cause that's when Overwatch came out. So the, the start of season two, I didn't play and I was playing Overwatch. And then I realized I hate respawn games. Why am I playing this game? It sucks. So then I came back to siege and um which it doesn't suck for everybody i just don't like cod and i don't like anything that respawns i like tactical shooters so i came back and i ended up playing for a, a guy named fluffy on empire esports uh i like announced that i was coming back they gave me a tryout and um within like two days i got the spot and we did a weekend go for and we slammed everybody in it and then that Monday we had a pro league game, and after that pro league game, I quit. I quit being on. I quit after six days of being on Fluffy's team because I didn't like him. That's uh. <laughs> that seems to be a little longer than usual. Yeah, and then after that, I waited um, until season three started, and I created uh, Ferocity Esports with uh, FPSZ and Avian was on the team, ended up leaving for for the most wanted then? Yeah, and they Era? ended up on... Yeah, I think, no, they were most year one, at the time. 
Yeah. That was Avian's like first chance at being. They might have still been. He just turned 18. Literally just turned 18. But (laughs) Zed like could not stand him because Avian would make plays on his own. And Zed like would lose because Zed wanted to make plays on his own. And like, so they just didn't work together. So we ended up picking him from the team. And then he ended up making the like pro league finals that year or that season. So I was like, that's tough. But we had uh Kush, myself, Gun Havoc, FPS Zed, um, and then Exclusive, which that will end up coming back to bite us in the butt. Because uh, that, that story is like the, my first blunder with like ESL, I guess, technically. The exclusive story? Yes. Well, it's not exclusive, but it's what happens with the fact that we have him. So, like, really good positives come out of year one, season three. We end up top four. Um, we we're like pretty good team. I feel like I we end up going one and one with Continuum when we played them. Uh, they they slaughtered us on Perfect. I think it was like I don't know if it was six to win or five to win then, but they beat us like either five one or six one. Slaughtered it was five us at the time. And then the second match was Chalet, and we beat them on Chalet. Very close game, back and forth. I joke with Troy sometimes, too. I had, like, this crazy, like, smoke idea that, like, back then, they were, like, trying to montane plant at the garage door. And I had, like, this... This is all that that worked to stall people out back then. We had the, the old single wall for Chalet, soft, and I put a shield behind it. And I sat there with a the smoke. And then anytime he tried to walk in with... Young was mon- walking in with montane to plant, I would just throw a smoke. And then we ended up selling him out and winning. That was it. Because back then, it wasn't like you didn't think about bringing the right utility to blow up shields and stuff like that. So that was like a big thing back then, which is kind of funny now when you look at it with having to have two guys that are like destroying everything and utility. And so after that, we get to um, the first ever six invitational qualifier. And we have pretty much. We, we like dismantle our roster because we didn't like, we didn't really work with exclusive and gun havoc. Kush didn't want to play anymore. So we had to like remake our roster. And so we didn't get into the closed calls at all. We had to go through the open calls to be able to get in because we didn't have a three fifths roster. And there we did very well. We almost qualified over era. And Era ended up making the finals too. So it was, that was heartbreaking. We were, it, it was best two out of threes, and we were in the winner bracket final against them. And we were up one map, and we were on uh, Skyscraper. And uh, we literally had to win one round. We were like up three rounds, had to win one. And we just like, it went to OT, then we lost that, then it went to Consulate, we lost that. And back then, that that qualifier was crazy. It was a best. It was a double elimination, best two out of three, all in one day. And that so when we after that winner bracket game, we went down to the loser bracket against flip flop, flip side, and we were gassed. We and we lost. So long day, but the schedule's gotten better. So that's like positives for <laughs> sure. I uh, I was gonna say, man, no. And now team, not that they're obviously unjustified, but the fact that teams complain about, oh, you know, I have to play two matches in one day now. It's like, dude, go, I mean, look at DreamHack. 
God, those dream hack yeah. days. Those dream hack schedules. Tough. I don't really know exclusive all that well. Um I know that I remember he was he was on flip side as well, right? For a brief period yes, of time. That's well he was on the he team on that Clever's made it team. to the land. So he was he was on Clever's team. So like back then it was well that guy has land experience. That's why we picked him up. Got it. But uh, he just didn't work with like how I like I have a very specific style that I like to play and he just didn't work with it. He like I don't know. It wasn't he like kind of liked to to be able to generate his own stuff and we didn't really have him on a roll to do that because we had push and sov and, and Zed and they were all like nasty in their own right. So um yeah it just didn't work. The the problem wasn't there with exclusive. He was fine in year one season three. The problem was after the six invitational for year two season one is what they called it back then. We were then hit with the three of five rule because you had to keep the same roster for year two season one that you had from year one season three. Yeah. And because I told you we dismantled our roster to make the six invitational run, we didn't have three of five anymore. So they were telling they told us in February that we were fine because they were going to allow era to keep their roster from the sixth invitational. And they were going to be allowed to play with theirs because theirs didn't match their year one season three either. So because era did so well at six invitational, they said, okay, your, your guys just changed, but so did eras. We want era to keep theirs. So you guys are going to be fine. Then at, this is a week after the quals ended. So no chance to qualify through that. They came back and they said, well, actually, since Arrow went to land and you guys didn't, you guys can't keep this roster. You have to go back to your year one season three roster or you have to uh, quit. So exclusive quit the game after year one season three. This is where the problem is. We had to convince him to come back to play when he, he quit the game. He didn't want to play anymore. And we had to play with him. But we had just picked up Penguin, and we oh, like he was like a young gunner, um, and we were working with him and like the roster that we had. We thought was doing really well in scrims, and they pretty much told us if you play with that roster, you're disqualified. So we had to play with this other roster that wasn't our roster. Which, if you guys saw my recent tweet about Rogue and them going through their roster problems, I said it's really similar to my year two season one problem. It's this situation we were trying to scrim they told us after two games we could play with our roster but back then if you lost two games you were out because it was back in the like gsl tournament format so we were trying our hardest to just try to win one game and then we were going to have our real roster so we had to practice with two different rosters back then and then basically made neither of the rosters good enough to play like at the highest level and um I got this. This was like when I got into <laughs> with uh, an ESL admin named Vets to Vets, which is not around anymore. Oh, I miss Vets. Uh, <laughs> Vets and I, like, after this, pretty much, I, I did everything I could to, like, point out things I didn't like about his rulings after this because it, I mean, we lost two games essentially and we got relegated, but we didn't ever get a chance 
to like fight with our real roster, but Arrow was able to play with theirs, and we felt that we just like got robbed of the opportunity to play. So I, it was uh, tough. I, I will say this: I love vets to death, and vets is a big part of why I am casting today. But the stories. The stories I've heard about that man and just the shit that he's done. I mean, yeah. even outside even outside of that, I just think he's he's the best lunatic. I remember he just bought like a bunch of like fireworks and a bunch of just like gas cans and just built a giant bonfire and just threw all the shit on it. And it was like videos on his Twitter of just explosions <laughs> in the middle of the ranch and that he lived in in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. What's it? <laughs> I remember he used to stream like in a bald eagle mask or something. Yeah, I saw that. Did you watch the stream that he did where he was? Because he and his, it's like he and his brother who tear down houses, right? <clears throat> they tear down yeah. houses, like redo them and then sell them. And he, I just remember he was streaming just like a webcam in the middle of the room. And it was just live for like 12 hours as he just destroyed the house. And that was it. And it would be like him yelling and swearing and drinking beer and smoking. <laughs> and it's just him knocking down walls and not interacting with chat at all. But he's just streaming it all. I was yeah. like, this is this is cathartic to watch. So <laughs> um, <clears throat> I just remember when we were at DreamHack Austin, I made some comment and he goes, he goes, hey, you want to go into the middle of the desert and shoot guns? And I was just like, <laughs> no, I mean, like. <laughs> I mean, like, kind of, but also no. Like, yeah. So, it's crazy to hear this backstory because for me, it's obvious that, you know, I wasn't around at this time. Uh, and, and it's hard to keep up to date with all of it. I mean, hell, even, even this stuff with you and Talon, which I think is the next topic that we need to address here. Yeah. Uh, I forgot. He is a part of that team. He was, you're one season three. Yeah, I was, he you was just on like that conveniently team. leave him out. I know. Yeah. yeah. I remember no, he was on there. that team. There was actually the the one funny story that I always like to touch on from that roster in year one season three. I think like like and expected this, but I remember we were scrimming them one time, and we were just playing on border, and like we were mid scrim, and like Nate on my team MVK, he gets like a tweet, and someone said, "By oh the God. way, Zed is streaming your scrims," <laughs> and we were like, "Wait, what?" Like we we're <laughs> scrimming these guys the whole time, and like Zed streaming, like. Earlier on in the game, like year one, season one, like some people did that. I mean, you you would know, but you wouldn't scrim them. Yeah. But like at this point, no one streams scrims. Like that wasn't a yeah. thing. And like Zed, who was like he was like a decently popular streamer, was streaming our scrim, and we we're like, what the fuck? Why is he? Like, why is this happening? And then, anyways, like we started trolling for the rest of the map because like we're like we're gonna finish this map and then we're done. Like because they're they're streaming, and then we typed it in chat. <laughs> And and I remember Talon and Lycan are like, wait, what? He's streaming? No clue. I had no clue. <laughs> that was that was a that was a funny one. Yeah. Zed was he he was I I, I like him because you never had to guess with him. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is a I mean, it's uh, got its own problems, obviously, but you always knew what was going on with him, no matter what, because he would say it. But yeah, he like we're we were like dumbfounded because obviously not only the fact that we're also giving away our comms, like they might be giving away their strats, but we're giving away our strats and comms, which is a huge problem. Like he was just like, yeah, 
I'm, do- I'm streaming. It's it like, what like, about uh, it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, didn't think I needed to tell you guys. I, the only, like, real interaction I remember with Zed was we were at a playtest and Kush and FPS Zed were there, and I didn't know who either of them were, because I wasn't, I wasn't one of the OGs. And Troy and I were staying in an Airbnb together, and I was just like, who are these guys? And you're like, oh, they're FPS It's like, one's a, one's FPS Zed, and the other guy's Kush. And I'd heard Kush's name before, because he teamed with Kicks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I was like, I know who Kush is. He seems kind of funny. He's also just a monkey when he plays very the game. Very funny, by the way. What? Yeah, it's very funny. funny. Yeah, he ref- he keeps he only calls me Peter. <laughs> Deliberately, he's always like, "Hello, Peter." Every <laughs> single time I see him, it's like, okay. But I was like, "Who's Zed?" And I just remember every single time we had a break, Zed would just look at Kush and be like, "Smoke," and they just get up and go away. And I said to try, I was like, "Who is FPS Zed?" And he goes, "What's well, a long story." So it is. Let's uh let's talk about Lycan and what happened with you on Onslaught because uh everybody that is yeah, in here that is very next. very fond uh, uh, recollection of Justice for Lycan. And for me yeah. at the time, Lycan was I suppose the first consistent duo that I had as a ca- or sorry, Talon was one of the first consistent duos that I had, right? Because I mm-hmm. I casted with like uh I cast with a couple guys. Uh, but nobody that I cast with consistently until Talon, and obviously Talon filled the the analysis role. I knew him. I really liked him. I thought he was cool. I had no problems with him. And then this drama over Onslaught erupts, so feel free. Yeah. So, I actually was a teammate with him for a long time. Uh, right before year one, season three started, so it was about like July of the year before. Um, and then we go through the whole next year in Challenger, league with an insane roster by the way a lot of people from that roster are playing right now crazy was on that roster bosco was on that roster with me and then it was talon me and yellow which yellow doesn't play the game anymore um and we were and we lost to infamy which had pev and vert like that team was nasty as well they were in the relegation game and they beat us so we had to go through a whole nother season of challenger league both years both games or seasons that we were in challenger league we had no problem we didn't struggle at all. We just would go through it, and then we'd get to the relegation game. Second time we go through relegation, however, we do make it. Um, but that was with a slightly different roster because Bosco had offers, obviously, to move on. Crazy didn't. Crazy left after we lost the relegation game. Uh, so we had brought in um, Billboard, Penguin, me, Talon, um, and then when we won. Um, a couple weeks prior to winning, uh, it was like basically to the breaking point of Talon and my relationship. Uh, we literally could not dry run as a team. I remember like if you go back and you talk to like Saab about some like the dry runs that we would do or whatever, uh, it was it was actually crazy. We we would be like trying to play a guy in Geisha on Skyscraper in the corner to Bandit Trick, and Talon was our bandit player and he was like refusing to play bandit in that corner to bandit trick because he said there's no way i don't get naded here and i'm like you have to do it literally every other team does it what do you mean like and we that conversation it was ridiculous it was two hours of like how different ways people could nade you in that corner which like today i think 
it would be like more people would be on Talon's side than mine because people would go underneath and nade you, right? Or like there, there's plenty of ways to kill that guy that was in that geisha corner. But back then, people didn't do that stuff. And like there was easy ways to figure out a way around it. And after finally convincing him, we went along with a strap, but like every dry run was like that. And so I told the team through DMs that I wanted to replace him at the end because at this point I pretty much became the sole captain over like Zed, which I had like co-captain with him for a really long time. And um, basically they all said, okay, no, 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 I don't think we should do that. We need to figure a way to like be all friends. And so I said, okay. And I settled all my problems with them. We had like a talk and we were good. And this was like two or three weeks before the end. And then we win the relegation game and we're moving on. We're like pro league next season. Let's go. Two days later, changed my name to Lycan from Delikin because I didn't want kicks to screw up my name on another broadcast. And then the next day, I think it was two days after I changed my name to Lycan, they like called me into Discord and, and dropped me from the team. And I was like, oh, okay. They're like, yeah, you just don't work with Talon. We, we, we think we need another path, but if you want to coach us, we think that would be great. And at the time I didn't want to coach yet, obviously. Right. I was since year two, season one, I was on the path to get back to play pro league again. I wanted to play pro league so bad I could taste it. So like for, for Talon to tell me that like, we wouldn't, we don't get along. So like, we got to drop you but you can be my coach if you want. It was like the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard in my life. I like, I, I lost it. I couldn't handle it. But yeah, so that like, if you were around back then, there was a crazy Twitter fight between Talon and I. Oh, I remember. Like, and it, most of it got deleted, like within a couple hours. But we like went at each other about how, which side was right or whatever. And yeah, then I went on to find like some really good footing in Rainbow Six. Next thing I do, I play with a team called Risky, which is probably the worst roster I've ever been a part of. Um, I, it was Flex, Mayhem, Heavy, me, and then I don't remember who was our fifth at the time, but that's when we ended up trying out a guy named Rampy. And that's how I met Rampy. Wait, Mayhem was the guy... That was the dude who had like the Nazi symbol in his avatar when he, <laughs> who did he, he was impersonating somebody. I don't remember. I, rem- I have heard some stories about those guys. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember he, he impersonated somebody and he had like an, he had like a swastika, like a pride swastika as his, as his picture. And I just remember somebody i'm trying to remember who it was anyway i know he came into my stream at one point and he got banned for like anti-semitism and it's like dude you're trying to play this game competitively like do you have a brain in your head like what is wrong with you they were basically uh so like when i got dropped my only goal was to do better than i think they turned to ronin next yeah, yeah they did my only goal was to do better than ronin did in the invitational qualifiers, I needed to find the best team I could. And they competitively weren't very good players, but ranked wise were like very good players. So they were all just a bunch of, they were all just a bunch of ranked stars. Like that's how they played. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And so I was, I just tried to get on the best thing I could at the time. And then my plan was to find a new team or build that team with roster changes to go for the next like challenge or pro league quals and try to get my way back in. Um, Oh, I guess that would have been Challenger League quals. Yeah, because Challenger League was then. So the next thing was basically six invitational qualifier. We actually are doing, we did very well in the invitational qualifier. We actually had a game where we beat Rogue in it. And that was like a huge thing on Twitter too. Like Heavy and Van Ham and Flex were like going at Eclipse and Slash and all them. And then they had the last laugh. They ended up beating us like later and like posting memes back at us. But we we were doing well as a team. Like we weren't like a bad team. We weren't by any means a good team. But like we we I just like I said, my goal was to do better than Ronin. Like I was I only saw red then. I just my whole thing was I have to beat them. And I have to like, you know, because I couldn't get back into Pro League at that point. I had to go through Challenger League. Um so yeah, we do very well. We get seated pretty decently. And the night before oh we actually get seated to play against ronin like that's that was like the big thing too so i was going to get it heads up i was going to get to play them and prove that we were better we're scrimming the night before the ronin match and well we were supposed to scrim heavy i think it was heavy uh, it was either heavy or mayhem i don't remember cancels practice because he said a personal thing comes up and i'm like okay then later on to find out one of them was like selling drugs on craigslist or something and like that's why he couldn't come to practice and i lost it and i'm like blowing up in our discord super pissed obviously and uh then we that person i don't remember who it was they tell me that their plan was to throw the game on purpose against Ronin the next day because of the things I said in the Discord, which I didn't say very nice things because I don't really believe in doing that stuff. But um, so, yeah, I shot myself in the foot against Ronin. That sucked. And then I quit the team afterwards because I didn't want to be a part of that. And uh, then I had to make my own new team, which th the team was awful. For you had Justin on it, yes, Justin. I, I casted you making it into CL on that roster. Yes. This was probably one of my favorite things of my whole playing career, and it was like not very good at all, but I love it. So it was like Justin, me, and then um, Dez, who doesn't play anymore anymore uh, game anymore. He's like Destructy or something on Twitter. Hmm. Um, Goni and one well, of Goni's on friends. Boosted, boosted monkeys, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and he and one of his friends, but I don't remember which one. Like he traveled around the same group a lot. It was Mushroom Muck, wasn't it? Yes, was it? It was one of those two. It was, but I it was either Mushroom Muck. No, I remember you guys used to play with Mush. Yes. Mush. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was Mush. But we made that roster two days before. Yeah. The Challenger League qualifier. We scrimmed once as a team, and literally, I was like, "We're running all of the stuff." We ran Blast, Ying, Blitz, and then a Hard Breacher. And then, like, the other one was, like, a Flex. But, like, back then, Flex, like, you literally were awful to cast. Yes. We ran all of it. And we would just literally, most teams would let us play Clubhouse because people didn't really ban Club that much. 
and we would open up kitchen hatch and drop smokes down. And I would literally sit at the kitchen hatch with glass and then blitz would drop down and run at AKs and we'd plan that we just do that over and over and over again. But like challenger league players don't know what to do to that. Right. So we beat a lot of big teams that were like supposed to do well, like nomads, people expected to qualify. And, um, there was a lot of other teams and nomads was like our first game. So like we were freaking out about like kind of the bracket being like hurting us, but no, we did well. It's not the Justin with the nine. It was a Justin with a Y. Yeah, it was, asking, it was, it was the, Justin. his entire, it was Justin OG <laughs> and his entire identity yeah. was based yeah. around a, a marijuana leaf. <laughs> yeah. He I used to, it. he actually used to play on orbit, like before yeah. they made pro league. He, he was a good player. Dude, I just want to go yeah. back and just say, man, I haven't heard Mayhem's name in ages. And the same with the same with Heavy. I just remember Heavy was on like that Noble roster, and then it, what would end up being what would end up being the beginning of a long string of people leaving Yeti's team and being really, really upset with Yeti. Yeah. I just remember that the the Yeti heavy fight on Twitter like made any other drama just look like kindergarten it just oh it yeah raged for weeks for weeks and it culminated with heavy basically saying something along the lines of like i'm gonna expose you i'm gonna release like a twit longer and destroy you blah blah anyway it's been two years and we're still waiting hasn't happened yet Troy can tell you this because it's something that rampy and i talk about pretty frequently it's it it comes up at least once a month, I swear, about the fact that Rampy and I were on a team together with Flex, Mayhem, and Heavy, and how horrible scrims were, and having to deal with like their attitudes before Yeti even came on. It we would be yeah. in the middle of a scrim, and one of the one we always bring up is on coastline. Flex said something to Mayhem about something Mayhem did, but then like heavy thought flex was talking about him so flex just or have uh like heavy starts going off on flex and like flex like, i'm not even talking about you i'm talking about man and the man's like well you're talking about me like, it, was, <laughs> it was so bad it was comical like looking back at it now but like you could just imagine the meme gif faces that you can make of rampy and my face while this is all going on like Team, like what? What is happening? Like it? It was so bad. It was. It's really funny to look at it now, but it was. It was very stressful for me because, like I said, I was on a mission to like try to prove a point, and like I had these ticking time bombs that I like never knew what was going to happen. Literally the day before a match, like that goes down, and then he tells me he's going to throw on purpose, and then like I don't know. It was very tough for me, obviously, but. Looking back on it, it's it's like it's so funny. It's, like it's hilarious now. Like, <laughs> like yeah. the fact this guy canceled scrims to sell drugs on Craigslist and then and then got mad that you called him out for it, so he was gonna throw the match. Like yeah. Heavy Heavy was the first person ever. The first person ever that I unfollowed that was like an active pro. Yeah. It was just it, it got to the point where I just couldn't deal with seeing it. And it was just like, you know what? I know like professional courtesy is that like you shouldn't be unfollowing like the professionals in your scene. But like, I can't even live with a mute at this point. Like I gotta, <laughs> I was like, this is past mute territory. This is like full yeah. like mute unfollow. 
So I just, oh boy, it was just so dumb. And then it's just like, it's just the stuff that was being said on Twitter. And it's like, yep, very cool, very mature. Yeah. So, so the team... cool thing. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, with, with the Challenger League qualifier, I, I thought that was really cool. With like pre pretty much no practice back then, the tier two scene was starting to come up. It still was very like I felt easy if you had any pro league experience to be able to kind of walk your way through. And I feel like I kind of proved that with the players that I played with, with the exception of Justin, were either tier two, three players, or like Des had never played before. We just he was a nutty guy that I played with in ranked, and I knew that he would be good. Um put them together in 24 hours and was able to run the whole bracket and get qualified in one tournament. So I, I was super happy about that. I kind of felt like a little redeemed for, for some of the stuff that I was going through. And um, within, a, within the week of qualifying, um, Trip Trippin DMs me on Twitter and says, hey, we're getting looks from a real org. And we're really interested in getting a coach and, and really becoming better. And we'd really like you to think about uh, coaching us. And so I, I honestly never even thought about being a coach at that point. I was so focused on like just getting back to pro league. Thought I could be a good player always. But I'll be honest, like I would reach out for tryouts. I would never get them from anybody. It was just like, we're not looking, you know, not interested. No, thanks. So I knew it was like kind of like probably a better option at that point, um, unless I was really going to do everything on my own. So I like had a real like big conversation with my wife about it. And we just personally thought it would be better if I did it because I'd have more time because not only was I scrimming all the time and doing matches, but I was, I believe, 29 when I retired or 28. I was playing the game nonstop to stay like to be able to keep up with people playing. And so like being able to like kind of like pull down on playing so much, I think helped a lot just mentally for me and uh, with my family, obviously. So that's why I made the decision to swap to swatch, uh, switch to coaching was basically just, I thought it was like basically time, which I didn't, it was weird because I like never thought about it before, but then the second it happened, I was like, okay, yeah, like that, that seems like the next big play for me. He, it's uh, something that Meepy talked about too, when we had him on the show was he said the same thing. He goes, I would have loved to have, you know, kept playing. And he said, I think despite secret having a bad go of it, that, you know, I, I had a pretty good season. He goes, but nobody reached out and he goes, at some point you just, you got to make the transition, even if you're good enough doesn't matter if teams have a perception or if they want to go younger yeah you know i, I this is kind of the and I, and I hate to call him out for it but this is the kind of position that jarvis is in right now is he's brought in like as the veteran that is his role yeah he's brought into the teams that in na are young that need some kind of leadership that needs some kind of focus and uh, <laughs> i hate to say it but i think like once you get pigeonholed as a player into that role, the clock starts ticking real fast towards it yeah. gets to be a point where you tip past the veteran player and you go into veteran coach territory. 
What you yeah, I think to um, <laughs> I think something bad that like always kind of happened to me, which is just the fact that I made my own teams like almost through my whole course in Rainbow Six. So I would start at ground zero with one guy or maybe two guys and we'd get the other ones and then we'd play. So I never really reached out a lot besides my own circle to play with people. So then when I came around to trying to get in like uh, tryouts with teams, I was like not a nasty fragger. You wouldn't look at my stats and be like, yeah, we got to pick up Lycan. Like what I bring to the team is way different than that. I, I bring a lot of like strategy and, and calm like corrections and like game knowledge and stuff like that, which you don't know that kind of stuff until you like are one on one with the person and like learning and seeing what they're saying. And there's no way to tell a guy, hey, trust me, waste your Tuesday on me and I'll prove it to you. Like it's it's hard to get someone to do that. And I just I could never get anyone to do it. So I it is what it is. Like it never really bugged me that much. I just kind of used it as a okay, like yeah, it's time, you know. So and I wanted I was so I, I like I said, like over and over, I wanted so bad to be back in pro league. So if this was the way that I go back to pro league, like I wanted to do that. That makes sense. I, I yeah. I you know I I kind of look at the landscape that we have and we are I would still say we're quite a young scene just because it doesn't feel like the first two years of this game really mattered. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like after SI 2018, I know that gets rid of one of Troy's world championships, so he'll never agree. But I know that uh, 2018 and onwards and what came after it was where it felt like, okay, now, you know, now we're at a beta. And I mean, ranked came out of beta <laughs> shortly after that. So, I mean, I think there's some legitimacy yeah. to that argument, but... Nice. The first like two years of this game are just kind of lost in the void. You know, it's like a fire claimed the records factory and we just, we don't have any info on it. And like I said, you go back and you rewatch, go back and rewatch some of those casts with Panky and Punji, and just listen to the names that are being said. Listen to the teams. None of those things exist anymore. Like no yeah. orgs, no teams, none of those players play anymore. And we're starting to see that accelerate quite a lot. And the one thing that our scene has always lacked is good coaches. Frankly, there's a lot of check stealers and a lot of talent. And I mean, I think we're catching up more to talent than we are to coaches. But there were there were two years where it was bleak. There was like outside of the main pro league talent, there was maybe like one or two people who could have stepped in in an official capacity to the broadcast you look at certain games, ex-players, ex-coaches, ex-team managers, they quit and they go onto the broadcast team, and it really helps right away. Same thing with players. You get good players that quit, or you get average players who got big brains. They quit and they go to coaching, and it really helps teams. We don't really have that. And there, yeah. there are times where it's like we'll see players quit and go to become a coach, and then they do basically nothing. And the teams will say they, they do basically nothing. I think that the coach role at the beginning was more of just like halfway a popularity contest and a little bit of like, who was your best friend? And it wasn't really anything more than that. Like I would, I would, I would think for the vast majority of the coaches back then, it was the coach asking the, the team, okay, so what do you guys want to play? 
or what do you guys want to run or like what do you guys think and it was all about just kind of the team and not really anything about the coach that the, it was like they were basically like a glorified sub in a way you know and there wasn't a whole lot of like advice being given or if it was advice like if it if the player would be like well i don't think it's like that it's like this they'd be like okay you're probably right because you're the better player anyway you know and so yeah i think we were really starting to see that kind of change a lot more with um the fact that you can have three coaches on your team and it's not something that you can make fun of on twitter um so yeah it's changing a lot you've been the coach of space station since basically the start of 2018 yeah, it was uh, right, right after the first SI. of March. Yeah, yeah, it was right after SI 2018. You've been the coach of this team for when closing in very quickly on three years. You know, and I, I think that there's only. I was just gonna say, I think, from the top of my head, is Shas the only coach who stayed with one team longer than you? Maybe Diz. Yeah, I was, um, I was, yeah, Diz actually. Yeah. Okay. So I think yeah. So I mean, well, Diz is reset, right? Because he was a player in in Rio. Troy remembers that. <laughs> so he uh, the clock had to restart on that one. I've never pulled that. That's something I've got. Yeah, you didn't have to. You didn't have to step off and create one of the greatest matches in the history of Rainbow Six. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah. So I guess it's Diz, Diz, and you along with Shas are and when I know people are going to people are going to talk about this it's like how long has a coach been with a team without moving roles or positions or whatever it's it's crazy you know uh yeah i don't know it's i think that you wild. can i think that you can be a good coach and move teams too i don't think that is everything but i think it definitely shows like at least from our rosters like kind of like the growth of the team and being able to see like a coach stay with a team and help it progress i think that's like one of the cooler things that i've done with this team coming from the beginning to like kind of where the players are even the players that aren't on our team anymore i i really i i still love to watch chala play and uh like said that he left i and i i don't i haven't really talked to him much after he did leave but i think he understands why it happened and i still really like chala a lot so it like makes me sad sometimes that he's not on the team anymore but it was like a, a move that we had to do like it just like we needed someone to come in and make that like big change that we needed and so like to see some of the players like even some of them have don't play anymore which that kind of stinks too redeemer's gone on to be a coach i love that um but like i still watch everybody that has left and have a special place in my heart for them the the chalice circumstance was just it, it's you know you kind of draw straws at that point you know there's there's certain people who on certain roles become more expendable Hate mm -hmm. to say it, you know, like especially on especially on roles, Troy points out often that he doesn't think that there's a lot of good IGLs. So it's like even if you have a there mediocre, are. what'd you say? <clears throat> there aren't. Even if you have a mediocre IGL, 
Like, are you going to sacrifice that if there's nobody else out there? Right. Yeah. But then, it, but then you find certain roles. Like there's a lot of really good flex players out there right now that are just not on teams. I mean, fuck, look at young, young could step in and improve. I would argue three of the eight teams in the U S division immediately probably mm -hmm. more but i know for a fact that he could step in and improve those teams and it doesn't even matter what role you put him on mm -hmm. i mean there's there's fraggers out there right now there's young fraggers that can get picked up and just come in and make a huge impact kansan on e united ignore all of the ignore all of the the vod baggage that comes along with him and look solely on his game sense and his abilities in game and it's like he comes in and alongside alongside rexon these two make a lot of good teams kind of look like chumps and they're both, yeah. they're both doing an excellent job. And Rexon as well as somebody who originally, you know, the joke used to be you ban Twitch and Jaeger and Rexon falls apart. He's a lot more flexible mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And Rexon's only really uh, had like a year and a half to really acclimate into the system. There's lots of 17, 18 year old kids out there right now that could probably come in and, and take over in a fragging role. So Sometimes you just, you need to make a change on somebody where there's, there's upgrade potentials. And it's funny because TSM thought that Chala was an upgrade over their circumstance. And given the way they've been playing and Chala's stats and the way that Chala plays, I'd argue that they were probably correct in that regard. Chala's been doing a great job on TSM. Yeah. I will say on that note that I was pretty like disgusted in North America for about a year because Chala wasn't on a team. Yeah. It like people had so many rumors, which I will say, like, I believe. A lot of the rumors were true about who he was when I first joined the team. But people said the same thing about Chala for when he left the team to when I joined, which was a year and a half difference. Like when I joined my first ever practice, I'll share this because it's pretty funny. My first ever practice, I was watching the team scrim on. This is like, fir like first day job, like ready, like with a notepad, very excited. I have Chala's perspective back then. We only had one guy streaming. Um, and he was on Blackstairs Skyscraper with Ella. And a guy had just came in, or sorry, Wave Stairs, not Black. Um, but like someone came in, he like came up the stairs and peeked across that long hallway. And someone ran across from the door outside down the down the black stairs and shot and Chala shot him twice, I remember. And then his only comms was, I lit one. That was the, the only thing he said. And he ran back down to the wave stairs. And that was the first round of the first scrim that I never saw. I, he just like, on round one, he just goes, I lit one. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I like, I, I can't tell you, like, the first couple months of being on that team, there was a, a lot of changes very quickly. But who Chala was when he left the team, he'd grown so much. Like he was so, I felt like he was a quick replace for any other team. Yep. And he didn't get on a team for a year, which I thought was a joke. But I mean, people just hear stories and they just go with them. And that's part of the problem. The stuff that you have to like deal with as a player is like, once you make a bad impression on one person, like it hurts you very bad. So I don't know. I I'm I'm so glad that TSM decided to make that that move and picked him up and I'm so glad that he's just like killing everybody and doing a good job playing their like smug mute role. Very happy. Yeah. <clears throat>
Troy can attest to this. We talked about it when it comes to FPL as well, and the, the focus landed on Yardy. You know, where it's like Yardy made a bad impression with a lot of people. Doesn't matter how good he is. He's been on enough teams where he's pissed off enough people that it's hard to earn yourself back into the good graces of people. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's it doesn't matter if it's justified or not. You know, all it takes is a couple bad words from one or two people in the scene, and it's it's you know, a lot of people in here. A lot of the people that are going to watch this and, and be in chat are going to be like, oh, obviously it's clout. And it's like, it's not. It's every business, every job. Like, yeah, if you if you act like a poor employee, which is what these players are at the end of the day, they are employees, of the team. If you act like a bad player or have a bad attitude, people are going to talk about it. You know, whenever you apply for a job, there's references that you need to provide for you know, some form of character reference and people need to know who you are. That shit matters. I'll say, I'll say the only difference between the two is he does it just open, open publicly on Twitter. So it's not really rumors that ruined his <laughs> reputation because people can literally see what he's doing. But with Chala, Chala's never done anything poorly on Twitter. He's always been a very, everyone will always say, well, he's a nice guy, but he's quiet. Right, that was what people used to always say. I think that's what Troy said well, like, on this podcast as well. Yeah, I don't think Which, she's what TSM needs. They need somebody who's vocal to step up. I, I thought so too, but I will say I think other players probably became more vocal on the team. Yeah, so I mean, they proved me wrong. It's okay to be wrong. Yeah, it's okay to be wrong, Parker. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm wrong. You're wrong about though. you're you're I'm fine. <laughs> All the time. I'm wrong regularly. Yeah. You ever hear my casts? No, because you mute me. But if you did unmute me, you'd hear how <laughs> no, wrong you I was. Say, oh, oh, I unmute you I sometimes, know. to be fair. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a compliment. People it's like, like one I know, of the worst oh, compliments I know, I know. in the world, but it's a compliment. I, and there's I a said that to someone the other day, and I was like, trust me, that's a compliment. I know it sounds terrible, but it is <laughs> a compliment. There's a couple people in chat who are like, Yardi and Chal are incomparable. We're not comparing the people. We're comparing the circumstances. Yeah. The circumstances yeah. involving think... your reputation. I yes. did not okay. think this need to be spelled out clearer <laughs> than it already was. But just in case there's anybody here who don't get what we're saying, the yeah. situation is the same, despite the people and the way they handled it being different. And the situation is... That whether you actually do something or not, your reputation matters a ton. And yeah, I was kind of surprised that Chala didn't get picked up. Um, I remember one of the first matches I casted uh, was that Elevate uh, Bittersweet game. And it was Chala was doing insane things. But I think it's very fair to go back and rewatch that. A, teams just generally across the board were far less structured than they are today. So there was less cohesiveness. Yeah. Um, which I know this kind of might get under Troy skin, but all the praise that the Laxing Skies duo used to get was because they actually did tend to work together quite effectively on the roam, which was something that we didn't see all that often. There were a couple teams in NA that did it. I think NVK and Troy did it quite well on Continuum. I think Eclipse and Slash did it quite well on Rogue slash Vertical as well, but I mean, we don't need to go deep down that rabbit hole. But the one thing that, you know, I'd go back and here I am like verbally filleting Chala in the cast when now I go back and rewatch it and think to myself, he's just literally on the other side of the map, unsupported, playing like Bandit, yeah, doing nothing. Like, just, like, where is he? Like, 
There's three people from Elevate on site, like Dave's dead, Trippin's dead, Thinking Nade's dead, and Chal's on the other side of Skyscraper. And it's like, what are you doing back there? And I don't think you could even argue that it was like the laxing style of play where the team is somewhat structured around it. I just think it's that people didn't really know how to play the game all that well back in, you know, fall slash summer 2017. Mm-hmm. And it was like Chal had come back and make a really flashy three or four K, but then you realize like this happens every round and his team is still losing. Maybe make a change. So <laughs> is that is that correct, Troy? I mean, I, I don't have too many thoughts. I don't know. I, I think people definitely played the game differently back then, but I think it was just like I don't I, I, I can't read into like other teams and players like until I play with someone. I think I, the game has changed a lot to where the like higher teams who you'd see literally at every single land every time has always had the like cohesion and like coordination. And that's why they would literally just stomp everybody else. And like a lot of other people like would make plays and kind of like get crazy. And you'd see them like jump anywhere from like third to six. Like now you have every team is coordinated. Every team is like got good communication. So it's just like so much clearer to see when every team is bringing that kind of aspect. But I'd say like when you played like EG or Orbit or something like that, or like further on, obviously Continuum and then and Rogue, but like it was the same team. They were coordinated and they would beat you and you would just be like, well, they're just better. Yeah. So you you jump into SSG as a coach. Uh, was it a rough start for you? The first event that I saw you at as a coach was DreamHack Austin. I know yeah, that we have. He, I know that we share funny stories from that event. Yes, um, I think the beginning was awesome. It was refreshing. I loved being back in pro league. Uh, it was a team who I didn't think honestly was that good. Um, cause I like had scrimmed against them obviously too. And I had a team that like, we wouldn't beat them every map, but we could beat them sometimes. So I was a little worried about how we do. And then it also had just been like top four from the last season. So I was, we felt like I was uh, under a lot of pressure to perform right away. Um, but uh, the things that I said, like, I, I felt like we, we changed a lot of things and, we had two crazy games against Obey, which was a very good roster that first season, and we were able to secure top four again, which I thought was a really big success for us because I felt like we were playing with four like solid players. Um, I we didn't have any. We didn't know. I didn't personally know what or how to work with Dave. I was still very young as a coach and like trying to find where he would excel, I struggled. Dude, with, I don't even think Dave knew where he excelled. We, and I joke about this, I think, with uh, with Troy before, was we didn't know how to work with him, so we put him on flank watch, and we basically just tried to hit site fast because we knew that at some point our we they were going to be on the flank. Um, and that's kind of how we worked it. Um, I love Dave. I, I, I think he's hilarious. I, I like hung out with him. He's so funny. He's such a good dude. Um, I just think that he kind of wasn't ready to be in pro league yet, but like that roster got made with friends. Like it was like all the King Leo's buddies. 
And that's kind of how that roster came together and they got a spot and um, they had like been all friends for a long time. But I, I think Dave should have been replaced before I even showed up. But because I, when I was there, I wasn't going to make a change right away as a coach. We tried so to be, we right? just rocked with. Didn't you have to play like almost reluctantly at DreamHack Austin because you couldn't make changes or something like that? He didn't know that he was being replaced by Shuttle until after the event. Right. And then you guys ended up getting Rampy. And then we made two changes. Yeah, because you got Rampy after the yeah. after when Noble just... Yeah, so Rampy's like a really good story that I guess we kind of completely missed. Um, Rampy, when we tried him out, I had never heard of him before, never played against him in ranked. I had absolutely no clue who he was. And I was really impressed with him immediately, just as a player, not as a coach. And we picked him up with like one tryout. I told like Flex Mayhem and Heavy, I was like, if we're not picking up this guy, we're trolling. Like, this guy's way better than probably all of us. And so um, we picked him up. And when I moved on, we kept a really close relationship. And so I followed the Noble team through Challenger League pretty closely. And I immediately was looking to find a way to get him on my team from the beginning. I, I knew that I wanted, because that's like something I already said, is when you know like the extra stuff that a person brings to a team, like people don't know that really until you get to witness it and be a part of it. And I saw that with Rampy and I was like, this is a person that works perfect for my idea of what I want. And so I basically was waiting for a time where I could say, let's get Rampy. But the shuttle thing happened and shuttle was such a big name. And like for us to get him, I was like, okay, I got to wait on the Rampy thing. Uh, but a lot of stuff happened at Austin, which then allowed me to have the chance to get in an extra person. So Austin is actually kind of, it's funny because it's, it's mostly me, not anyone else. It's all me on well, like there's some parts we didn't play very well. We made some mistakes like playing wise. And I still to this day will say that even if we had the right maps, I don't think that we would have won. I don't think that we were playing very well. Why did you have Driven the wrong maps? Okay, are we just going to go straight into it? <laughs> okay, so at the time, this roster would not play Chalet. It was a permaban for us. And the first time that we played Noble, they had banned it first off the rip. And so we banned other maps and we got away with one. So then while we were talking as a team, we said, okay, well, they're going to ban Chalet again. These are the two maps that we want to ban. And I'm like, okay, so like going over and over again, okay, these are the two maps. Like these are the, what we want, right? Okay, okay. Back then, I didn't write down the maps on a piece of paper, anything. It was just like I had to memorize two map names in my head. And like I was like, that's what I'm going with. And it was the worst mistake ever because then at the end, like the decider goes down and then Yeti goes, we'll pick Chalet. And I was just like, huh? Oh no. Like it was it was so bad. I ever since then, like Troy will tell you guys, when I ban, I literally every single time we pick or ban at the team house, I say, All right, we're banning theme park. Does everyone agree? 
every single map we pick or ban. I say that every single time. Yep. Whether it's obnoxious or not, that's something I learned from Austin. I was like, I'm not making that mistake again. I, I like let that map through. We had never played it ever. We wouldn't even scrim it. And I let it go through. Huge mistake. Huge. Like I like I'm telling you, we lost the second I walked back into the huddle. Like it didn't. And this is the thing I'll always tell teams too. A BO3, I don't, it does, it literally does not matter what their map is. Their map doesn't matter at all. All you do is you win your map. Whatever happens on their map, it happens. Then you win the decider. That's how you win a BO3 against another good team. If you're playing against a bad team, sure, you can 2 0 them. But literally, they heard that their map pick was Chalet and all confidence was lost from everybody. We had to play what map? It's over. We had no chance. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, confidence was lost. I made a huge mistake. From that, I learned a very big lesson. Um, and I, so now when I'm at events, I literally write down every single map. I write down what our priority is, what our band priority and pick priority is. And as maps are banned, I'm literally scratching off and I can see everything going on. I didn't do that beforehand and I wish I did. I, absolutely loved the interaction because like i said it, it is a little foggy but i'm pretty sure it was dave i just remember it was right before the match was starting and then dave just says something like dude goes wait we're playing we're playing chalet <laughs> and then you're just like yeah fuck and then after, I just remember after I was talking to either Dave or Redeemer, and he just goes, bruh, how does Lycan forget the maps we don't play? <laughs> and I just, I remember at one point I came up to you and talked to you, and you're like, yeah, uh, I fucked up. And then you just kind of laughed, and then you just walked away. <laughs> it was my fault. It I was screwed so up. Funny. It was bad. I loved I, it. I was... I was so embarrassed and I'm a very competitive person. I was so mad at myself mm -hmm. and like, oh, I couldn't, I mean, like literally you can see how I deal with that kind of stuff from that. I literally have things that I still do. It was two years ago, two and a half years ago. I literally still do all of those things because I don't want that to ever happen again. Yeah. And I'm like, and it's just like, I literally have a, I have a procedure now so I don't make that mistake again. And I've heard of other other coaches that have like made the same mistake too, and I'm just like, I know, I know, I know how it feels, man. I've been there. It sucks, dude. It's I, awful, dude. Everybody makes mistakes. The phases manager made the exact same mistake in the Rio finals against G2, not realizing that they changed up how a BO3 ban works. Yeah. And then I just remember as they're heading to the stage, I, I can't remember who it was. They were heading to the stage, and one of the phase the phase players just kind of like shakes their head and I was like what and they're like we lost and I was like why and they're like our manager didn't our manager banned one of our good maps or something like that and I'm like what how and no, he goes it wasn't that it was that they they didn't know that, that it went ban ban pick that, pick ban ban pick yeah so yeah. they thought they could have two perma bans yeah and they only had one so they're, they're they didn't ban one of their good maps it was that they had no, no choice but to play a map they don't play no, I know, but yeah. I was told I was told that they because it goes ban ban pick pick ban ban. I was told that th he thought that he was picking the two maps in a row and also banned one of their good maps after they picked. 
Mm. I'm, I'm not sure on that one, but that could be true. I mean, that's what yeah. I remember. He's like, yeah, because yeah. he picked whatever one of our good maps were, and then G2 picked or whatever, and then he banned our next good map against us because he thought that you should pick or something like that. I just remember hearing it, and I was like, oh, my God. And that's, in, in all fairness, in all fairness, I also, Kix and I had not been told that the BO3 pick had changed either. So there was a, a couple months uh, you, we knew that for a while. We never, like, we were never informed. Know. We were never informed that it went from ban, 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 pick, pick, decider to ban, ban, pick, pick, ban, ban, decider. We were never told yeah. it had been changed to that. And it had never been communicated to us via like email or Twitter or anything. And I just remember after hearing that in Rio, I was like, wait, what the fuck? I was like, it changed. The, the players should have known. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But it was. It was it was well communicated to players or to teams at least. I don't know. I yeah. I guess the manager fucked up. Yeah. But I mean, it happens. Yeah. It happens. And I mean, I don't think you can. I mean, you got the last laugh. There are, you know, how many how many coaches are there that are world champions? Two. Yeah. Two world champion coaches. You and Shas. I guess technically Sua, but Sua is an analyst, right? Because it was like CTM didn't have a coach, Elevate didn't have a coach, Penta won with just Shas, G2 won with Shas and Sua. Now you. Yeah. I won with, I had three, don't forget. It's a problem. Yeah. So It's a, it's a problem. We grow our analysts. I say coaches, not analysts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have a list of about 75 analysts, but we'll go with Luke that he's the most well-known. That's just because of his Twitter content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sure we can get into it at some point. Um, so we can go quickly through now. This is like post DreamHack Austin. We can go quickly through it because most of the recent SSG history has been talked about with Bosco on here and has been talked about with Troy. Um, yeah. Because I know there's a lot of people right now in in the chat who are just so impatient and asking the same question over and over again. Did they talk about today's balance changes? Did they talk about the season reveal? So let's let's get to that at some point because it, they want it. So you want to take mm-hmm. us up to speed for the last little bit prior to Troy sure. joining the SSG squad? Yeah, we get... Well, okay, so the next roster we get, I'll, only, I'll almost say to anybody that that was the best roster I've ever had at the beginning. When we first picked up Rampian Shuttle. I think I've talked about this. I don't know if I've talked about it with you, but I had an Excel spreadsheet for a very long time. Our, from after DreamHack Austin to be, the beginning of that season started, we scrimmed it was something like 60 to 70 maps, and we had dropped four maps. It was, it was an ins- and we were not playing T3 teams. We were playing good teams, and we were literally beating everybody. It was crazy. We, we won the first couple games and everything was going pretty well. And then um, just a lot of problems started to go wrong internally. And I'm not really going to talk about that because uh, respect to some of the players that are still playing. But we had really bad internal problems. And um, it quickly changed how we played because we played so kind of loose and like it relied on a lot of comms. And those comms started to die off quickly. Um, and so we started not performing as well. 
And people, there was some people who started to lose confidence in Rampy. And he did struggle. That was his first pro league season, and he did struggle in the first half. Um, but quickly, uh, he obviously turned into like what he is now. But it caused a lot of problems inside the team. Uh, so we made roster changes. I think that was the first time like we had picked up Brian, and then after that, like then you guys pretty much know the rest. You can check out Bosco's part of the podcast too to like figure out everything from there. But yeah, before Bosco, I think he doesn't know that aspect is um, when when the the Bosco mania was like going down um, between basically everyone thought he was just going to go to Cloud Nine. I threw my hat in just to like take a chance. But I knew that he was really good friends with Lauren and they already had an SI spot. I didn't think that we had a chance in the world of getting him. And so I reached out to him because it's actually funny too. We leaked their VODs the season before on accident through a thing that I'm not going to get into. But like Bosco and I had been teammates before, but then that VOD leak thing happened with uh, Ranger. I think I can say that because I think that was public. But I'm not going to go into it. Um, so I thought Bosco and I weren't on very good terms at that point. Yeah, we got a tryout with him, and then pretty much won him over, which was awesome. I was so excited to get him on the team, and then yeah, the rest is kind of like history with stuff that we've already talked about on the show. But um, yeah, after that, the only thing we ever missed really was having that IGL. You know, we had like a couple two-party systems, a couple three-party systems. At Raleigh, it was crazy, man. But Raleigh, we had a very young IGL type in Fultz. And then Bosco was like kind of like a very veteran player who's never really been an IGL, but he's very vocal. And so like he kind of like filled in a lot of like what we should do. Like not like micro changes, but he's like, we need to be doing this. And like we would kind of grow ideas off of that. Um, and then two also Rampy's very talkative. And we had this crazy three-party system that I don't even know how it worked. And we got out of groups. And then after that, we've pretty much been a, a part of the system that we have now with Troy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we're now we're here. Well wrapped yeah. up. I don't know. It's the same kind of thing though. Like everyone everyone chips in ideas and then I just talk. But yeah. Well, I agree. Like always through what i'm very i'm like so much into communication so like my any team i've ever been a part of everyone needs to say something i need to know what you know to like make a decision right like for that's what troy needs like i if yeah. if he goes like through a round and then he's and then someone's like well i saw that they had a mirror on that side like at the end of the round you're like yeah should have said something like i need that so um like everyone talks a lot obviously and then it's just kind of like all regurgitated and it's like a, a joint idea that's put out by one voice. Uh, but like, that's kind of the system we have other than like it being like two or three people trying to come up with one idea. And then sometimes you're worried about like, if two people have an idea, like which one do you go with? And if that one's wrong, is it going to be a problem at the end of the round? You know, like we don't really have that, that anymore, which that sometimes could have been a problem in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're here. Yeah, we vibing.
Good luck in the uh, in the major coming up next week, by the way. And I mean that sincerely. I don't mean that as like a snark. Do like, you? You're gonna need it. Normally, you you're you're all about the snarky. Yeah, but I'm Good not. I'm not snarking You gotta qualify. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Good luck without mute Mozzie. I know. Try try like ever before he was on the team was was on like this high mountain of EG continuum. Didn't ever have to qualify, and then he showed up to SSG, and we had to do the qualify for <laughs> SI uh, 2020. And I was cool. just like, "Welcome to the team, Troy." Yeah, Gotta I mean, do this I, extra I blue collar work. <laughs> I knew I was taking that risk. <laughs> that was that was part of it. It was like I, I knew I most likely was going to have to play a qualifier. But you got Bosco on the team. You have to play in every qualifier, regardless. Bosco, yeah. Bosco's the qualifier gatekeeper. The path to the quals run through. Well, him. the thing, the thing is, is that usually, like previously, it was like as long as you had good results on the lands, you would qualify for future lands, right? Mm-hmm. But or like just in the top two, whatever. But so I was used to that. But then now we now it hasn't been the case because we won. What's it called? We won SI, and that didn't qualify us for anything. So it was like, well, fuck. Now we still got to play online to qualify. And then ever since then, there hasn't been a land. So like, even when we have finished top two, it doesn't matter anyways. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunate. But well, if, I mean, if the EU results today were any indication, it's that everything just kind of goes up in the air. Temper got dusted off. Virtus Pro was next, and then Empire just utterly annihilated BDS. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because a lot of people were saying, oh, well, BDS is going to have their revenge in the finals. This is going to be grueling, blah, blah. We're expecting to go live at like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And the yeah. next thing you know, it's over before we're even supposed to normally start. It's like, what? Yeah. So I woke up. I woke up and I like rolled over and it's like literally the final round of map three. And I was like, what is going on? I was like, what? I've never had to wake up and get ready so quickly. And as you can see, like I did not... Did not get fully ready. So, but, um, other than the, other than the results today, if you want to talk about that really briefly, uh, were you surprised by Empire steamrolling uh, BDS? I think most of the kind of like what Troy and I have said to each other is just like Empire's ability to, um, learn the new maps that they now play is like what you really can kind of contribute this like rise back into like the top spot because um they've never been bad players that's not why they started performing worse it was the fact that they were a like a bank team an organ team a border team along with their their consulate right and they lost all of their maps and Mm -hmm. now like you know well they always ban villa well okay let's put theme park in well we don't like theme park either like, yeah, cafe gets reconstructed. Well, we're not very good at that one either. So, like, they literally, like, within a couple months, like, really kind of had to look at themselves and figure out, like, okay, we got to figure out what maps we're going to be good at. And, and they had to change everything. I think they're still obviously really good at coastline and consulate. Yeah. But they've picked up, you know, they picked up the slack on the other stuff that's caused them to have all these problems. Yeah. I think they just had to figure some things out. They had to change things. They had to figure out like new parts of the meta. I think a big thing was like 
they for the longest time too they always banned mira and then like Wamai comes in and all of a sudden like that's not such a fun operator either so they kind of want to ban that sometimes now they have to learn to play with mira and it's just it's shaking things up um but i don't know i think i, I said it on the podcast with pengu i think if you watched any other games in phase two uh I feel like it wasn't surprising to me. Like that you could tell they were getting back on track. I feel like a lot of people are surprised, but I feel like a lot of people I don't know, maybe aren't truly familiar with like Empire Siege. I feel like they just see the results and that's that. Which is the case with a lot of people, I think. I think a lot of people just look at the results and they're like, Oh, they just lost, so they're not very good anymore. But um I think you could people see that, that they were I think you could see that they were improving and that they were playing like Empire Siege. Like even at the start of the split, like if they weren't winning every game, like you could just see the rounds and how they were played out that it like it looked more like themselves. Whereas like in the first split, like it was just it it was a shit show. Like it didn't even look like themselves. Um so yeah, I think they figured some things out, kinda got back on their feet with their map pool, stuff like that. But I just I don't really think they went anywhere before. I think it was just them dealing with like these problems that they had to go through. Like the map pool thing. The operator thing, then Karzeka leaves, who was a huge part of that team. Um, so I think just a lot of things they had to deal with, and I mean, obviously they have. I will also say that Dan has had some consistency issues as is a joystick, just as players. Um, and I, I mean, when you've had games in the past where you know, regardless of how good the team is, if Dan or joystick has a bad game not necessarily have the depth there. Shepard gets progressively better. I disagree better. with you. What? I disagree with you. I think people look at the individual players and like, oh, he's just inconsistent. But like, it's down to how the team is playing. Like, No, no. I, like I, a team I like Empire, consistent. like, no, but like a team like Empire, like those players are almost entirely set up by how the rest of the team is playing and working together. Yes. Not the, just, this guy's having a bad day. Yeah. Like, I, I, do, I don't, I don't think that was any reason why they fell off whatsoever. Yeah, maybe Joystick started doing worse, but like I don't think that had to do with his operator or like him playing just worse. I just think it was just the team falling apart, kind of. The problem I think that, that hit his confidence. I, I think it was confidence. And and the one thing that we've always talked about with Empire, you'd let me finish. <laughs> was that Empire plays a structure and if the structure falls apart they can't always recover it's something that we've addressed many many times where every time that they go for an execute back in the golden age of Empire which would be around the Raleigh Major and that's that form of timeline, timeline from Milan onwards was that they had the same pattern every time and things worked and if things kind of fell apart a lot of times even then Unless Joystick or Dan or even Karzeka could just play off of whatever the situation was, things would go south really quickly. Shepard started to improve in terms of his consistency, and then eventually the team kind of stopped adapting or starting started to adapt to other strategies. And then when Karzeka left, Empire seemed rudderless. They didn't seem like they knew what kind of system they wanted to play off of, and it took them a while to find their footing. Now, the problem was is that what I had assessed from Empire was that after Karzeka stepped off of the team, the inconsistencies that we saw from Dan and Joystick, doesn't matter what the cause is, doesn't matter if it's the systems or not, but when you have that first stage where both of them don't look anywhere near as good as they used to, and we're talking, they're still good, but there were periods of time where like Joystick and Dan were widely considered to be like top five players in the world. Sure, maybe it was carried because of the system, but 
when they fall off that hard and the rest of the team is not doing their jobs either and are also not getting kills, then I think you can begin to look at consistency issues with the team, regardless of whether it's a system or not. And the team has seemingly figured it out, and now they look like they're back to fine form, and Dan is playing as incredible as he has always because now he can slot into their system well. And now he's more consistent because the team is more consistent. Yeah. I just, I don't... I'm I'm personally not usually of the belief, and especially like with how that team plays, that you can look at like individual consistencies as much. Yes, they're a very structured team that don't seem like they work all the best on the fly like others. I I think they've definitely improved on that, but I just yeah, I think it's just part of like the reason like the the certain positions get like like they get filtered their kills almost, you know? Like uh, like like always is just popping off now. Like Scyther, Scyther is taking like this this Ash Yeager role, and like he's like just running through people as well. Like it, it just depends on like the rules they're on, I think, and the positions they play, and like they they kind of design they their way of playing to like filter the kills to more specific yeah. players. And I think that's why. And I I, I was watching, and I feel like uh, Shepard got a lot of criticism, but like. I I I don't think he's been playing bad. Like I've watched and like I don't I still don't see him like making a lot of mistakes and stuff like that. There's definitely something here and there. Don't get me wrong, but like I think it's just everyone like everything else is working better with the team and he's not having to do as much. Yeah. I think also too I feel like they've changed a little bit of how they go about attacking even though it's still relatively the same. I think with before something they've learned was that the maps that they were so good at you we joke about this back when we played them in si 2019 was like sav broke down their organ and, and told us about how like they literally did the same thing every time and, like these are what they do these are the things they do and like this is how we're going to beat them and they smoked us still every round before it was like these are the things they're going to do like the guys were so well prepared for that map but the way that that old empire team was was they were so good at the strat that they ran any di different thing that you would bring to it they like had seen it before so they were ready to move around that like specific counter to like do the next thing they had to do or whatever and, and um when they lost all those maps they had to basically regain that, that strategy through those different maps and realized how difficult that is to do just from scratch and so i think that they've done really well at coming up with these new maps and making it not so hard to like be thrown into that system like it say if, if they got a new player or if like there's a new map like the way they play now is a lot easier to like pick up things everybody's meta i think is gonna or the meta is gonna change everybody's style as well like at some point things are gonna break and uh, I do, I do wonder, I do wonder what happened to that Empire team because they kind of just wobbled and fell off and then Karzeka got moved to Rogue and now Karzeka looked terrible. I mean, Rogue looked terrible, but Karzeka in particular looked terrible on Rogue. He had like the worst stats or the worst rating or something like that in, in the EUL and then got kind of like benched. And we're still, I think we're still waiting on Leon Gids's twit longer, by the way. I think he said that he was going to 
he's going to talk about stuff but there's been nothing talked about now i don't know maybe we'll wait as long as we have to for heavies um <laughs> but it, it's europe is a fascinating region always has been i haven't been able to keep up with it as much as usual um and I, I do need to go back and rewatch some of the major because I've been working most of the weekend, so I didn't get to see any of yesterday's games. But um, I think, number one, it does solidify that BDS is still the real deal. They're still a really good team. I would like to see how they perform on land because typically all of those players are good land players as well. And that's one thing that's kind of slept on is that you can be, you know, and I know that SSG has thoughts on this, you can be a very different team on land as you can be online. I've never said that before. Yeah, never. Um, BDS are, are are a tremendously good team on LAN. Shaiko performs, Bride performs, Renshiro performs. So, I I think that they're honestly, I think that BDS online, probably a little weaker than they would be at an international event. But I mean, we just have no idea. We have no clue how teams are going to do because, you know, our only international event was in february so yeah you know and it's it, hard to say and if si happens it'll have been a year since we had an event and we don't even know what's happening with si so it's like we don't know i is it going to get moved is covid you know still going to be wreaking havoc will there be a light at the end of the tunnel we have no idea so yeah. it could be even longer than a year until we see teams battle internationally yeah it's hard it's hard to say or like speculate how teams would do too because we don't like we've only seen teams within their own regions, right? Like, like the the last international competition we've seen is SI. Mm-hmm. So, like, even even in BDS's case, like, don't get me wrong, I think BDS is a great team, and I I think they'd still do. Like, I think they do well at LAN, but I feel like a lot of people like because they were dominating in EU, everyone was like just thinking, well, they're just going to dominate at a LAN too. But like, you just don't know how teams will match up, like. Especially like in terms of like individual skill too. Like I think they're a team that definitely they like take over because of their individual skill. But like like there's regions like Latin America where like that doesn't matter, right? Like uh that like the a team like Liquid, like they're just gonna go head to head with them in individual skill. Like that you're not just gonna take over a match because of it against them. Um yeah. and like teams like TSM are are very similar in that sense. So uh it's it's definitely kind of hard to say that a team like it's hard it's hard to speculate how teams would do in that sense. Uh, you just kind of have to wait and see. I think people should just look at look, look at how teams are looking within their own region and just kind of look at it like that. Um, the way teams play against different regions is very hard to to speculate and see like that because just different play styles work better or worse against different teams. Um, Teams are more are are far less comfortable playing against each other when they've never played against them before, right? Everyone's everyone's very comfortable playing against the players that they've played against for years and know how they play. Like I like I've been playing against like the guys on DZ for literally like four years. Some of the guys on DZ for like four years, like, um, and and the same with them. Uh, so it's just people are are very comfortable and used to playing against each other. And I don't I don't think that like I'm not saying. That that works in either advantage because I think, I think we have a strong matchup against Easy because of that. They probably have a strong matchup against us because of it. We just know each other so well, and same with other teams, other regions, so on and so forth. But yeah, I want international competition again. If that wasn't obvious, so bad. <laughs> we all want it so bad, man. Like 
it's just it's good for the game you know everyone wants to watch people play on land and all of the players like there's not a player that you'll see post something bad about being at land you know so it's just where the game's at its best and it's unfortunate like the stuff that we've had to go through this year but just hoping like eventually we'll get past it back to lands and it'll be just as exciting as ever i mean it's really done some weird things to the points points are awkward as i'll get out and like there's some teams that deserve to be there that might not get there and um that's very frustrating to me personally even though like we're already in there's teams that like if they aren't there like i'm scratching my head over some of the other teams that might be in there so yeah, like with with Empire winning today, they ju- they jumped up high, and it's literally like now you're looking at Navi G two MIBR like OXG kind of too. Like some of those teams could not be in, and that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of today, <laughs> with the major happening, and so far we're I mean we're waiting on APAC and NA, but right now. The teams that have officially qualified are, this is of course, if SI even happens. This would be, BDS is currently number one in the world rankings. Number two is Liquid. Number three is NIP. DZ and TSM are both four and five. But they still have to play, so they could possibly move up. Uh, Team one is number five. Virtus Pro seven, Empire eight, Cloud nine is the first APAC team to qualify in ninth place. SSG have qualified FaZe and Giants there as well. On the outside looking in, because it would be technically the top 16 teams that qualify with four fighting through the qualifiers, the remaining four spots that are not guaranteed are OXG, who will be in the qualifiers, G2, who are not in the qualifiers, or sorry, not in the major, MIBR, who competed in the major, they are done, and Navi, same thing. Cyclops is on the outside looking in, but they have an opportunity to to get some points as well. They're the only team that is below 16th that could possibly move up at the moment. Unless we see something crazy happen with Xavier, who's in, who's quite a ways back. So I don't think mathematically Xavier can lock in their spot, but they can make some noise. So Yeah, I think it's like the APAC winner gets like 510 points. If you're looking at it, I'm not looking at it, but I just don't see where Xavier beats the likes of Cloud9. Well, Cloud9's not doing so well right now, but mostly Giants and Cyclops. I think they're pretty much... There's Apex still a very top-heavy region. Yeah. Um, more than the other regions. Oh, yeah. God, is Fnatic not even on here? No, they're not. Holy shit. Fnatic's not no. even on the top top no, 40. I mean, it, I mean, that's not a surprise, but... They, ha- they have an yeah. unfortunate situation. Yeah. yeah, they're playing on LAN against a crazy peak everything region, right? Yeah, and then part of it, they weren't even in the right country too, right? So yeah. their thing was yeah. like awful. Yeah. So, yeah, they've gone through it too. Like, I feel bad for those guys. Yeah. I mean, Give we'll me wait and second. see. I can go to the bathroom. We'll wait and see. Um, now that he's gone, how are you feeling about your chances at the major? <laughs> um, no, I... I've already spoke to, spoken to you on a couple of different occasions about this. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about the fact that it is land, and I'm glad it's announced now. Everyone gets to talk about it. Um, it's always been some somewhere where we kind of gain a lot of confidence, you know, like our play style. I think, in particular, a couple of our players have always just been more comfortable and played better on land. Um, 
and I, I think that's like mostly Bosco and Nade. I, I think both of them really like are like kind of like hardcore angle holders and sometimes <laughs> sometimes they'll get killed and like they'll clip it and it, it you know you're just getting killed by tracers. It, it, it happens to everybody. But like it happens a lot to them and it's it's tough like to deal with, you know, if I prefer this one playstyle, I literally can't play this playstyle because I'm forced to play online and it's very frustrating. So, you know, it's okay when you deal with playing online every once in a while because we can't always be in the same place as everyone else. I get that. But like when this pandemic happened and now you can never get the reset where you get your land opportunities, it it like it tears at you like month by month dealing with these problems of just getting swung and not being able to be like, I'll see you on land. You know, you don't get that like moment where you're like, I know I'll get you when it counts. It it's it it taxes you mentally like as a player and as a coach watching them because you you know like the problem but at the same time you gotta like try to tell them like hey that doesn't matter like you know that was gonna happen you know we're playing online but you can't change the way that someone plays yeah like you can't just tell them well swing <laughs> like you know it's just you just can't do that so. No, we're very excited as a team and individually. I know the guys are really excited to be back playing on land, just like everyone else is too, like the other teams. So hopefully we'll put on a great show. I know I'm not going to say hopefully. I know like NA will put on a great show this weekend. Yeah. I'm excited to cast it. All right. Let's talk about the juicy stuff. Neon, what's Neon Dawn called? Neon Dawn. Neon Dawn. Which is a a mouthful. Uh, yes. There were a a I believe the the term that we use in the business is a metric fuck ton uh, of changes that have been made. In fact, I had said many times I'm a little worried about the future of what happens with this game and the balancing. The complete and utter silence from the devs in regards to what changes were coming, the current situation involving, you know, indestructible gadgets or bulletproof gadgets, etc. But there were a lot of really promising changes. Where would we like to start is the question. And as our guest, I figure I should ask you, where would you like to begin? Sure. I think the new op is like a great place to start. Just because it's Arudy. like the, the big one. Yeah. How did she get that scar? <sighs> We're going to learn later. That's what I heard. Dude, she was who gives in a like, shit about uh, war? Who cares how she, she got the scar? She, she was in some like operation with Thermite. You know, he's my, I like Thermite. So. <laughs> I mean, I don't, so. She got hurt more than him. That's what I heard. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about her. I feel like she doesn't seem that ridiculous. I feel like some people are reacting like she does with like indestructible gadgets, like literally indestructible. But I feel like only three of them and then the cooldown thing, like they don't do an overwhelming amount. Like mm. I feel like they're nice, but don't do an overwhelming amount. Do we have to like break down what they do? I'm not sure if you wanted to do that, Parker, but. Uh, I mean, sure, I can go through all of it. Uh, Macy is saying that she's so bad in the 
Yeah, I like bad isn't like not good because like literally somebody above goes, she's completely no. broken. And then Macy goes, she's so bad. So like, I feel like that cannot be correct. Anyway, this is what well, always happens. And I, I think she's very underwhelming. You think she's underwhelming? I, I mean, I think she's useful, but I well, OK, I think the biggest thing is that she can help with like the rotations and stuff like that yeah. she can punch at walls and all that. I think that's nice. But um. I don't know the the gates don't seem like it, it it's helping kind of with the jaeger nerf and making it so that like i mean you kind of have to run multiple yeah um to really protect something now but like by herself i feel like she's just not she's pretty underwhelming like uh it you just you throw a flash or you throw a drone through you, like you send an ionicle and through like there's there's a lot of things you can do to deactivate the gate or whatever and then it's down for like 30 seconds which is yeah like, and they have to manually reset it they do that's yes. what macy just said they have after, to manually after, reset it after 30 yeah. seconds you have to shoot the little orb thing at the top and then the gate will go back down again so if yeah. you're like nowhere near it then uh it's only gonna happen once I think um, the big thing you got to look at whenever the new operators come in is what they can give you with other operators, right? Because right. mm -hmm. we've always talked about like, well, Mozzie didn't seem that crazy. And then all of a sudden you had the mute Mozzie and then it was like, whoa, Mozzie's like nuts. We got to get rid of his shotgun. But um, I think <laughs> I didn't agree with that, but it was fine. Um, on the same page with that one. I... I think that you can look at a couple of things that she can do that will be cool. I know like, you know, it's if you have like a mute jammer and then that gate, the drone can't like find a way to jump around it. So like you can very sure like say pixel door on like a roam, like you're roaming and you want to make sure they can't drone down Whitehall. Like you could do something like that where the drone can't jump around the jammer or jump around a spider, but then you're stacking utility together. So like she can work like that where you can kind of tag her into the mute Mozzie meta a little bit. I think there's a lot of disadvantages with her, obviously, with it being 30 seconds and you have to stay around it to make sure it goes back up again. Like, yeah, there's a lot of ways where she's not very good. Also, too, the MK-14, if you've ever played Dokubi, you always say that gun sucks. It's very, it's very hard to like fast fire that DMR. So to get kills, I will say as a defender, that gun's probably pretty good. Yeah. But as an attacker, it's awful. Um, but the DMR is not the strongest DMR. So I think that's good for her. As well as the Roni. The Roni has always been known as a nasty fragging gun, but it's terrible if you're in a multi-kill situation. You literally get one and you're traded out. There's nothing you can do about it. So you have to put yourself in like perfect situations um to be able to like make that work so i feel like there's a lot of like downsides to her that allows her to have this mechanic where she can make like rotate holes infinitely throughout the round which i think that's pretty unique obviously you know there's a lot less impacts you have to bring there's a lot less shotguns you have to bring um so there's there's spots where i think she'll be okay but i think for the most part she won't be that good yeah she seemed when I first saw leaks of her, um, which obviously like we had with Kali and other operators in the past, the leaks seem, oh my God, they're super overpowered. 
and then that just doesn't end up being the case because they tweak them. And I think it was even, uh, who was it? Was Mello said something about how she's already been tweaked or something like that? Yeah, it's like 30 yeah. damage down from 40. When yeah, you walk it used to be 40 damage if you walk through it, you know, but now it's, yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I think she's a cool concept. Um, I don't like that it's an indestructible gadget, but I mean, yeah. 30 seconds is eternity yeah. in this game. Like, imagine she throws it on any of the doorways or any of the walls in piano of cafe. Is it realistically, once you open things up and you disable it, is it going to take you 30 seconds to take that, that room? I mean, with the way some teams play the deployable shield over by pixel or in bathroom now, maybe, but then teams will just make a conscious effort to not go after that yeah. gate right away, right? Like, I will say that her, I, I hate that they're adding like these weird secondary abilities. Like she can punch fucking holes. Like a lot of people have said, like, just give her like, have her run like impacts or give her like a secondary shotgun. And it's like, yeah, that's what it should be. There shouldn't be one operator, like, unless that's her fucking ability, like, unless she's like, why doesn't Oryx have that? Like, that makes no sense to me. Like, Oryx can just slam through walls, but he can't punch a wall with a bigger hole. Why? Oh, because lore. Now we've gotten to the fucking lore fest again, where it's like, well, why can Zofia get up, but nobody else can? And it's like, oh my god, here we go again. Like, it just, it, it blows me away. Like, Oryx should be able to smash a giant hole in the wall. The dude's the strongest man on the planet. Like, come on. But it's just they should they should give her like a secondary shotgun and not have her be able to do that. But the devs love to do this and I hate it. I hate it so much, but they love to do this. So everybody gets their own little flavor. It's like, uh. I think it's unique. I think it's kind of cool. I also like that you have to basically punch a hole four times to get a rotate. Like, I like that it's a very tiny hole. Which was something that I was saying needed to be the change with Buck instead of his grenades was they needed to make the skeleton key like destroy less instead of taking away his nades and like making them in this weird spot. I mean that's what so, I said, like, right? Balance the gadget, not the gun. Yes. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see, I think for sure. And 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 hopefully it's not too overpowering. I don't know if teams are really gonna find a spot to put her in like all this is like kind of happening and like we'd be having a way different conversation if the changes to Jaeger didn't happen today. Right. Because with her gadget plus like, like old Jaeger, it would have been awful, impossible. So I think it's not that big of a deal, which she is because of some other situations that happened today as well. Yeah. So yeah, I can give a quick rundown of all the changes just in bullet point form um, because I think it's important to talk about them. So the big one other than other than Aruni being added um, is Jaeger is getting a, a gadget rework where he still gets three ADSs, but they reset after 10 seconds of use. So you put down an ADS and somebody flashes you in 10 seconds. It works again. It's disabled for 10 seconds. So if you, you know, people dump in those three flashbangs, two of those flashbangs are going to hit now because the ADS isn't going to catch anything after it catches the first projectile, first explosive, whatever gets tossed in. That's a huge change. 
I mean, it's good for Jaeger because it's going to be able to change up the way you play. You're not just going to set down three ADSs and then just forget about them from now on. You might be able to juggle them. You can move them somewhere else because if a round goes long enough and teams are bad, and I, I foresee this happening in ranked and casual, Jaeger could be even better because people don't know how to dump and actually push yeah. people. So if you've got a if you've got a bad team in like silver or bronze or gold or wherever they're going to be and they take their time to throw out flashbangs, Jaeger could potentially be even better than he is now if the opponent that you're playing against is terrible. But in pro play where so many people are used to like everybody looks at coastline for example or or blue on on clubhouse where it's like you just dump in like five six of your flashbangs just to clear them all out at once you can't really do that anymore as a defender because you're going to get flashed right away this is also a big buff to smokes throw one flash now you can throw a smoker or a grenade in right after it's a big buff to ying <clears throat> as well because think about it ying's candela bursts and each of those individual charges gets eaten by an ads you roll in a candela and just a single one goes off that's enough to to proc the the ads and i love that we can use that word now that's enough to proc the ads and now all the rest of the candelas are going to go off all the little flashes so that's a big change to jaeger um echo got a change uh his drones are a little bit louder or sorry, a little bit quieter. quieter. They're a little bit quieter, but the trade-off is that they are no longer invisible. Also, Echo gets a deployable shield again. Um, deployable shield was taken off of Valk and Wamai. Uh, it's still on Smoke. A lot of people would argue that both Smoke and Echo are the only two staple ops that are going to have access to a deployable shield now, other than Goyo, of course. Um, Hibana's X-Kairos got reworked, so now you have 18 pellets, and you can choose how to administer them. You can either shoot two four or six i think that's a huge buff to hibana and will be fascinating to play around and frankly it's going to be hell for some bad teams who are terrible at defending but it's going to make attacking a lot easier uh and then the run out reveal timer has been decreased as well you get this big ugly prompt on your screen that shows that it you get a prompt now when you're outside for one second instead of technically three seconds because you have the countdown timer and then you're revealed uh tachanka lost withstand um and Outback is out of the ranked pool, but that has nothing to do, but we should all be happy about that. Yeah. Outback. So those are most okay, of the changes. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Ash lost flashes. She got a Claymore instead, but now she gets an extra Ash charge. Yeah. So she I has mean, three Ash charges and, and a Claymore. I think the... I don't know. The changes overall, I mean, it's it's a lot to process. Like, it's hard to comment on them because they're i feel like they change so much of the game mm -hmm. um, apparently wamai lost a disc a disc and shield yeah so wamai is now down to four discs and yeah reinforcements are faster too reinforcements are twice mm -hmm. as fast now which i think is a great change dokubi got frag grenades zero lost frag grenades and he's got the the new hard breach disc uh wamai and valk got impacts so Valk is now Impacts or Nitro Cell. Wamai is Proximity Alarm and Impacts now, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I think the zero change is definitely good. It made no sense why he had grenades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like from a roll standpoint, it was very awkward. So Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, like, most of the changes are good. I don't think there's anything here I disagree with. Um I disagree with the Echo one. 
personally. Why? What's what? What do you disagree with? So my thing with Echo is that I feel like it it was an inconvenience to bring IQ before to deal with Echo because you had to bring so much for the utility meta, and IQ didn't bring anything for that. Right. But now that's not necessarily the case because you just you don't need to bring as much to clear ADSs, Wumai's, all that. Like there, th- it won't be as much of an issue now. It's just going to be down to like purely like the explosive count rather than the flashbangs and and all that. Um, and I don't know. I just I don't think making them visible uh, was a necessary change for that. I mean, I I think it could be okay. It's just my take on it personally. I think I think the reason. A lot of people complained about IQ. Was one they didn't want to, or sorry, not IQ. Echo was one they didn't want to bring the IQ because of the meta. But also, I think there are not many competent IQ players in the world, <laughs> and I think uh, people just complain about it as an excuse because they can't play IQ well. I agree. It makes dealing with Echo a lot easier, which I think removes a lot of frustration from players, which I think is like a good thing, but I think it really kind of lower, like it doesn't show, like being able to deal with Echo well before, like kind of gave you like something extra. Like if you didn't have to ban it, but you knew the other team would have to, you could shove it down their throat. And like they were forced to figure out a way to get around it. And instead, like now it's just, oh, we'll just make it easier for everyone, which I don't always think is, like, the right thing to do. I think it's cool to see, like, a team be able to, like, have something like that and, you know, kind of show their style. But I get it. Like, forever people have been mad about, like, invisible traps and invisible gadgets and dealing with all that. I get that frustration. I just thought there was, like, an extra set of pride you had when you knew that you could, like, handle an echo being on the other team. So mm. that's disappointing at like a high level. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I just I think it can be pretty underwhelming because it's it's hard to use him for like anything other than actually droning people now, I feel like. Um I don't think there's as many spots where you can just like hide an echo drone on a ceiling. Like Valkims, like you can easily hide. And like put them in good positions, but like the echo drone placement, it's literally it's just you can jump it straight in the air and that's it. It's yeah. not it's not like a Valkan where you can just throw it to whatever and it sticks there. Um that's a oh sorry, go ahead. And then yeah, I just I just think like there's not even an incentive to bring IQ to find an echo drone now because if you, you just look at the ceiling, like that's it. Um I think before too, like uh, something that was really hard with Yokai's was you don't have callouts for the ceiling. So, like, you had to, like, grid a, a comm for, like, where this yokai was. You're like, it's, it's like, well, kind of goose, but, like, over towards more to heater. Like, you're, like, trying to, like, call out, like, where this thing is. Yeah. But, like, with the new ping system, it that even made it sense. easier. You just had to find it, ping it, and then any of your teammates could shoot it. I will say, so, we, didn't, we didn't really get to experience that, though. Because... Yeah. They yeah, got he was he it got bugged and he was removed around the ping system time. So, 
I, I am totally okay, by the way, with them taking really, really strong operators and just nerfing them into the ground so that we just don't see them. And I don't give a shit if they're viable or not. Like Lion, for example, like after Lion and Ella's rework, their pick rates just bottomed out for a period of time before like kind of coming back. Ella's never really recovered, but Lion's did sometimes. I mean, I think yeah. I do wonder how much we would see of Lion if, you know, there wasn't such rigidity when it comes to the attacking lineup right now, but I'm totally okay with them taking an operator like, like Valkyrie, like, like Echo that have just been around for like Jaeger who have just been around yeah. forever and just making them weak. It doesn't like, yeah, will it suck for the people who play them? Sure. But you know what? It will mandate new operators in their place, mm -hmm. which will be nice I to see. You know, I will say this about the Mute Mozzie meta. It was cool to see Mute so often. It got tiring quite quickly. I know you guys liked it, but like it was nice to see Alibi have some viability. It was nice to see Vigil get picked as often as he was. It was nice to see Castle becoming a staple operator. And Mute, whose pick rate in, in pro play until he got the SMG 11 was totally, totally zero. It was nice to see all these operators all of a sudden come in. The problem was, was that there wasn't any real flexibility. So you would tend to see the same three of five operators yeah. on defense. It was always mute Mozzie and then either castle or vigil or possibly lesion at the time before he got nerfed. But it's just, and, and the same thing with lesion, people were complaining, oh, lesion's too weak. Lesion was everywhere. I would be so fucking fine with them nerfing Zofia into the ground just so she's not in every single game. I know that that might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm okay with them dumpstering a strong operator like Echo. I'm okay just not. I'm yeah. okay not seeing Echo. I don't care what the My reason thing is. is that I don't think they needed to do that nerf for Echo to be adjusted because people would be able to bring IQ more. The meta would be. I think the game is going to be sped up, so you're not just going to be able to win off Echo denying plant late round all the time because people will get to their execute a lot quicker. So people yeah. would have to use the drone in a different way already. Obviously, yeah, maybe, maybe like it'll be okay anyways, but I think it just, it forces you to use the drone in like one way now, um, which I'm not a huge fan of, but. I'm kind of in I the just, same, like, oh, sorry. I just, I would have liked to see how it played out without the nerf. And then if he needed it, sure. But I don't think he needed it personally. I kind of have the same mind frame as you do, Parker, because I come from MOBAs. So I'm very yeah. used to like, kind of like opera, like champions coming in and coming out as the season go. They pretty much the devs decide like who's going to be the good ones this this season and who's not. So I'm kind of yeah. used to that, and I I do I do like that, and I I kind of like agree with Troy though. I, I think he actually could have been like not that strong. He still would have been like uh, a big pick for some teams. But I don't think he would have been as strong as he was like in this meta where, you know, the team doesn't have anything but 15 seconds left to hit the site. So you're going to win the drone or going to win the round with only one hit. You know, it's not like the old days where, you know, you had your like Echo playing in the garage of Bank and they're trying to like plant constantly at the CC door and your Echo's like driving the drone from underneath the desk, popping it up, hitting them like 20 times and like trying to hide it over and over again, you know? Like, it's not like that. It, it literally was, if you have Echo, you know you only have to hit him once and you win the round. Like, that, like, Echo was way too strong. And, like, 
the, the the current meta that we have now, but I don't think it would have been like that at all. Yeah, that that's just why I think that. But I'm I'm okay with changes regardless. I I am, but I'm just I'm excited to see different things and especially changes that will get us out of the meta we've been in because throwing yeah. flashbangs over and over into a guy behind a shield isn't. There's just like it's miserable. There's yeah. some bomb sites where you just attack them. And like you're just like you're literally mentally preparing yourself because you know you're gonna go into this doorway and like you have to throw some flashes at this fucking crackhead behind his shield that's just pre-firing over and over again. You know, just like seventy-five percent chance that I just die here and we lose the round. But like it's gotta be done. Yeah. Uh do we wanna continue to talk in this way or do we wanna move on to Hibana? Macy is insisting that we talk on Hibana. Um, I have questions about her too, because I don't understand it all. Because I just saw it as it was right away. But so, is do you have a capacity of eighteen? Is that how it works now? That's what the and like the the video I watched had an eighteen down in the bottom right corner. Yeah. Okay, so like it's it's not you have three shots that you can do whatever with. It's that you have eighteen pellets. Yeah. Okay. So you I can think shoot, that's interesting because you can get four hatches, right? Pellets. Yeah. You can get four hatches. So yeah. like, that's crazy. <laughs> Thank God Banks not in the map pool anymore. I'm telling you <laughs> what, because that would have been awful. Uh, but um, I think that's probably one of the bigger changes that'll kind of go under the radar a little bit at the beginning, because maps like Clubhouse, where you have you're now forced to bring four impacts to try to deny them from getting the kitchen hatch, like that. That's that's a that you're asking a lot from the defense. You know, if anyone's going to open up the floor at all, now you're dealing with two guys trying not to die while they have to. You know, you can't just get one guy to throw two and one guy only needs to throw one more. They both need to get off four throws without dying. Mm-hmm. Um, the hatch is I think open, man. <laughs> that hatch is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you're going to see a lot more of teams just trying to roam or going their third. Um, which is good yeah. in my opinion i i i have been on the record saying i don't like impact tricking and how pro- no. how prominent it is i was gonna say in general it's a big nerf to impact tricking i mean only only really if you bring habana but like ace ace already kind of helped with that because it's three charges and it's it's the same thing where because the thing with ace and habana right is if you put them like prone level on walls they can't be impact denied in in some instances some instances they can but I think it changes up a lot of things because you're not just going to be able to rely on impacting something now because it's most likely going to get open just because people are going to yeah. whittle away at it. I um, think um, the thing that you'll see that will be the worst part of it all isn't even the hatches. I think the worst part of it all that you'll see is how she can get the bottom of walls without it being impacted anyway. So if you look at, like, say, if she only shot like a double shot, you're talking about that her doing that eight times. You can find like little spots across the wall to like blow those up. So then the defenders forced back away from the wall, and now you can shoot bigger shots across the wall that you know they can't impact that are higher up because of the fact that you can like lay prone and like shoot their feet and stuff. So there, I mean, that's also on the church wall. Like I'm already thinking about how awful the church wall will be. Um, so. It's, I think her change is probably the best one out of all of them. 
I'm I'm also of the opinion, if we go back to that MOBA comparison, the only time that the meta has even kind of resembled an attacker-sided meta was under Lion, and it was pretty much 50-50. We have never had a period of time, at least since I've been watching and casting, where the attackers had a decisive advantage on a majority of the maps. It's usually always there's one or two maps that are attacker-favored, one of which is almost always Coastline, and then all the other maps are 52 to 60% in favor of the defense. And, and that's okay. But I'm also of the opinion where it's like, I also kind of like to see attackers winning. So I'm okay with that getting flipped on its head. Maybe it shouldn't be as easy for the defenders. Maybe it's okay for the attackers to be a little bit better and have more tools at their disposal. And, you know, we, I, we talked, uh, we talked about impact tricking and how much I don't really like it and how I said, it's one of the good things that I, or one of the things that I would do that I think would be good for impact tricking is maybe reduce the explosion radius of an impact. So you can't just throw an impact haphazardly and just take out a, a thermite charge on the other side of the wall. Obviously, Hibana changing is very different and opens up different avenues for people to attack on walls, and it's going to lower the likelihood of impact tricking being successful. I'm okay with that. But it's going to be really fun to, way, to see the way that teams adapt. And, you know, already whether they are correct or not, a lot of people are both very excited for the Hibana changes and also saying, yeah, she's going to be an insta-ban. So, who knows? We'll see. I don't know about insta-ban, but her ban will go up. Her ban percentage on specific maps, like, I, I mean, all my examples were on Clubhouse because they seem ridiculous on that map right away, but like, there are... feels like another. Yes, which she's already seen bans on both of those maps anyway, right? Yeah. So I feel like it's going to kind of be like the maps where you'd already see bans against her. Like, they'll be more prevalent than even before. Mm -hmm. I think uh, attackers, like, we've only really seen one season where the attackers were kind of dominating like that. And it was like a very dark time, I'd say, for the Twitter of Rainbow Six with, with like Lion and all that stuff at its peak. Um, I think this time will be, maybe be a little bit different, but a lot of the changes allow for that meta to kind of come back. So that's like one, I guess, worrying thing for defenders is there's a lot of situations where you can bring Lion, Dope, Ying, you know, Mav, and then un like Nomad or something, I don't know. But you can bring a lot of kind of craziness and not worry about Glass bringing smokes. He can just bring your nades or whatever. and there's not a whole lot of shields you have to get rid of anymore and like not a whole lot of utility you have to clear so you can bring like a crazy lion or like a crazy lineup. So I think all of that I'm like kind of waiting to say because I want to kind of see it first. Um, well, I think I think you can still get forced into like bringing a heavy explosive lineup because like smoke still has his shield and then like the usual suspects of Malusi, Goyo, and Maestro yeah. didn't get yeah. touched. So you can still force teams to bring like a high count of explosives, but it's dependent on whether or not teams do that because I think teams might like they might end up changing how they're playing it because they can't protect that stuff. Because if a team does bring the high explosives count against all that, it's harder to capitalize on trying to kill them while clearing it because you can't protect it anymore. It's just people will just get rid of it right away, kind of thing. Um, especially too, with, with Ash Morgan. getting an oh, yeah, and then with uh, Ash getting an extra charge that helps it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, we'll see.
but I, it's, the defenders it's very are hard more to tell. equipped now for sure. Yeah, I think the thing is, is I think it will result in more variation of how teams play. I I just think there will be different ways to play the game. I don't think there will be like a clear cut best way to defend or attack because I think teams will be able to punish people if they're bringing like a super execute heavy lineup when you just bring like too many indestructibles for them to deal with or if they're already bringing that then you just are going to end up playing like super aggressive with vision ops probably or something or I don't know maybe maybe a bunch of rotate holes with with Tachanka smoke and uh, whatever her name is new op Aruni Aruni yeah, it's a Rooney. But yeah, I think, I think there's um, a lot more options. Yeah, there, there's sometimes like with like this new meta that you could bring like a Glass or a Ying and you could just skip on getting rid of the Malusis because, or the Banshees if I want to, I don't know if we say it like particular here. Uh, because everything's smoked off or they're all flat. You can call them whatever you want, anyway. by the way. Um, like you would have to just basically target bubbles and and the bulletproofs and like make sure like you kill the vision obviously. But I think the game like it's it's going to be cool because the game's going to change drastically on how it's played. I think you'll see more like either teams go like execute heavy or they're going to be very aggressive to not let you get to that point um, and try to kill you early. So I I think there's going to be a lot less of this stall wait around viewers get bored like do i even have to watch the first part of the round i think that from round to round i think the game's going to change a lot and i whether or not i like that play style or not it is going to be good for the game i feel like which is like what we need right now so that's something i'm very excited about is we're going to breathe some new air into Siege, and I hope that people that used to play the game are going to see that it's a little bit different, and they're going to give it a chance again. You've been talking about that a fair bit, actually. I mean, you talked about that, I feel like, a week or two ago. I think it was about United leaving. You touched on it. Um, about everybody's coming out to, like, dunk on Ubisoft. And I will say, you are... You were far nicer about it than me because you were like, oh, it's so nice to see like old familiar faces who don't play this game anymore, like still care to me. It's like, fuck off. Like you've you left. Like if, if you leave and all you do, the only time you come back to Rainbow Six is to literally create drama and be an asshole to either developers or other teams or the game on Twitter. I don't have that same kind of like cheery thought yeah. process that you have. I'm like. You people are annoying. Like, go away. All you're doing is coming here to try and, like, farm likes and clouds for a game you don't play anymore and you have said many times you don't care about. If you don't care about it, then stop talking about it. I just yeah. think it's disingenuous when, when former players and all that come out and they're like, I don't care about Siege anymore. But I care enough to tweet about it nonstop for, like, two days. And it's like, well, clearly you do. So either stop yeah. lying, like, or don't say you don't care. Like... You were really, you were really nice about it, yeah. but I was, I'm not, I, I'm not as nice to those people. I've always been kind of the content is content is content kind of person. Mm -hmm. And I, I know like it can be negative. Uh, a lot of people come to mind immediately, like they can be negative, but it gets people interested in talking and 
if people don't get interested in in, in it anymore, like they're just gonna find something else. They're gonna unfollow like the whole community. You know, like if if people, some people like the drama, some people don't like the drama. We have to kind of like filter to everybody. Um, it was it was kind of like more of that aspect too. I really do like mean that as well. Also to the fact that like there's players like virus and hyena and like uh, there i can list a, a bunch but like i've met these people in person and i've had conversations like at airports waiting for our flights and like i really like no i know these people and they were my friends so like for them to come back and say something about the game yeah i get they're frustrated but i still like the fact that they're going to come back and talk about it and i can be like oh yeah like you're still alive like come back play the game you know so it's kind of both ways but i I feel like this game needs people talking about it way more than we do. Uh, I wish that the active players didn't jump on the bag bandwagon bandwagon of smashing the game and leave that for the players that quit. Let the people that quit talk tra- trash on our game and you support our game. But I'm not that that one's like such a deep conversation that I've been kind of told that I'm dumb about too many times. But um, I don't know. I just. I have so much passion for the game, man, and I just wanted to see it do really well. And like the last couple of weeks, I think everyone can fairly say that we were constantly being hit with bad news every day. And uh, it like wears on you when it's a, especially when it's your job, but also too like something you love. It, it's pretty hard. So I uh, hopefully we can like kind of turn and like band together community whole i don't know if i've like talked to you about this in particular but like one thing that i think was wrong with our game from the get-go was reddit and reddit's become a joke with our community and i know it's like kind of a joke a little bit with everyone but the way that it was at the beginning it was all one subreddit and then the comp players and would like come up with ideas and post them or like the community would come up with ideas and post them and there was giant wars on the subreddit like between the the two sides so bad that they had to literally split the subreddit into like the comp comp side and the 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 casual side and now like a lot of the casual side of the game don't care about what we do because we're not a part of them and like that's something that we have to find a way to like get over and come together on because li- most of our game doesn't care about the pro side. And it's, it's crazy to me. Like we're missing out on so many people that could watch it and be entertained. And I think we just, there's a lot of things that we're doing wrong, not from the dev side at all. There's a lot of stuff we're doing wrong because of the players and we don't take responsibility for that. Uh, so we've arrived at our, uh, at our daily slash weekly shit on Reddit moment. Um, which has now replaced shit on E-United because E-United's so bad they don't even exist anymore. Um, All right, man. So we... <laughs> that was tough. So, um, I'm just kidding, by the way. That's Before a shame, because we... it's right when they, like... They right were when they were better. starting to do better. They were getting better. Yeah, they were getting much better. And yes. anyway, but this is now... Uh, we are now on... 18 of 19 episodes where we've been able to get in a dig at United. So we're going to keep going at some point until eventually it ends. But um, I I think that there's two culprits here. Um, we've talked 
I've talked a lot about this on Twitter, uh, Twitch, interviews, etc. Um, I, I think the big reason, number one, is that we are supported on consoles and console gamers are just inherently less competitive. You know, there's... And when and console gamers are going to be like, what the fuck? I, I squat up with my friends and we play ranked. And it's like, yeah, well, ranked isn't really competitive. Like, there are fewer leagues on, on consoles. Consoles as gaming platforms are made to be casual. They are made for you to be able to relax, lay on a couch and play video games on your giant TV five, ten feet away from you. Like, that is... They're there for you and a couple buddies to kick back and play the game and not really sweat it out, right? And it's it's not surprising there's you know now that call of duty is supposedly moving over to pc as well even though they're still going to be using controllers i think they said or they're or they're going to stay on playstation but they're using mouse and keyboard i can't remember somebody's going to no, correct it's, me. it's pc they're using controllers though still very dumb but that's fine um but it's like there's a reason why console esports isn't really a thing and there's a reason why it always prioritizes or tends to prioritize like PC players, and when we have 70% of the player base or thereabouts based on the information we had years ago, mind you, I don't know what it's at now, but if we've got like 70% of the player base on consoles, like, yeah, I mean, they're going to hold back the competitive side because the way that these people play the game, sitting on a couch, maybe playing a match of casual or two a night with no headphones on and no mic, only listening to it through their TV speakers. There are millions of people who play Rainbow Six like that daily. They, no offense, they don't know anything about the competitive side of this game because they don't play it. But if they're invested enough, they have an opinion, and those opinions end up finding traction on the subreddit. So yeah, we create the Rainbow Six Pro League subreddit, which is continuing to grow. We're at 95,000 subs on R6PL, which is pretty big. Still, I argue that the subreddit is really underused drama and memes tend to dominate people don't people have now gone back to not posting anything of significance you know there was there was a brief there was a brief like month and a half to two months where there were so many posts every day and so much discussion and it was awesome but the problem was is that a couple users were submitting most of that and i mean it's not fair for those people we're now at a point now where today has actually been huge for the rainbow six pro league subreddit but this tends to be an eu phenomenon EU does really, really well. There's tons of clips of EU. There's tons of discussions about EU, but then there's an NA play day and it's just crickets. There's a LATAM play day and it's just crickets. But even then we go on the subreddit and it's like just the other day, like I was reading about how people were talking about casters and I even, I decided to make a comment because people were like talking about Kix as a shoutcaster and it's like, well, Kix wasn't a shoutcaster when he got picked up. Like, how do you people not know this? <laughs> somebody was like yeah bloodbath was a terrible play-by-play -play, but so was kicks and it's like yeah but kicks wasn't a play-by-play -play. and kicks had no previous casting experience bloodbath was a community caster like these are not comparables how do you think these are the same and then today it's like there's a couple people going at like leon over a fuck if i know and just like no wonder pro players and content creators avoid the rainbow six pro league subreddit do I think Reddit's a problem? I, I don't think Reddit's a problem because I think the amount of people who use Reddit is it's a tiny number. 95,000 subs on the Rainbow Six Pro League subreddit, we routinely break 100,000 viewers on our big live events. So mm -hmm. to me, it's not like it's the end of the world. The greater issue is the casual community doesn't know how to play this game at a top level, but thinks they can balance around it. And that's the problem. And it does hold us back. Yeah, I, I mean, I've notoriously told my players to not look at 
the subreddit ever because of what it can do to your mentality. The only problem I've ever had with the subreddit, both sides, has been the fact that you feel like you have to have the hottest of takes to get upvotes. And then, like, the takes, like, when you read it as a player, are ridiculous. And, like, they're very demotivating a lot of the time. So I've always told people, like, if, if you really care about your, your mentality, stay off the pro, like, the, the Reddit. But, I mean, I, I get that. Like, if you feel like you got to make your hot takes or whatever, but, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. I don't know. I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I I try to stay away. Sometimes I, I I used to hop on there more, but yeah, there's there there's just some shit, and you click on it, and you're like, "Why did I come to this website?" But yeah, um, I'll never forget. I, I agree, I'll, I'll though, just though. never. I'll never forget when they took when they were talking about ESL and what would happen. And I just remember there was one time I was streaming, and somebody asked me a, a very simple question, like. You know, if, if you weren't casting Rainbow Six, what would you be doing? And I said, you know, I'd probably CSGO because, like, it's a good shooter, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, CSGO is the highest, like, prestige, yada, yada, yada. And then next thing you know, somebody on Reddit, when they were talking about ESL, were like, well, Intero's going to want to stay with ESL. His dream is to cast CSGO. And I just saw it, and I was like, what? I barely even play CSGO. It's just where I would go if the game died. Like, what? And then, next thing you know, there's, like, I start seeing like this just get parroted as fact. And somebody was talking about it on Reddit being like, you know, well, Intero's, you know, Intero might leave when the leagues split to go cast CSGO. And I had to like step in and be like, where did this come from? <laughs> like some person wildly misinterpreted something I said. And now all these dummies have just picked up on it and are now treating it like fact. It's just like, ah. <laughs> irritates me man i do think that not reading the rainbow six pro league separate is a smart idea um it goes it goes in waves it gets it gets better and then it gets worse um i think you actually and, and i want to shift this conversation a little bit because i i think we talked about this with pengu and i think it's something that you and i have discussed in private a couple times is the responsibility that players have to not openly shit on the game when fans are watching and i know that one conversation that you wanted to have was how we talk about this game on social media yeah, I and I and I know I've like seen pushback even too from some of the usual negative people. I'm not gonna give them the the name call out that they wish, but um I I just feel like for the most part like this is okay, so I'm gonna talk about this like more from a standpoint of my it's my job. It's my like this is what makes me money, right? And not only that, but like I obviously have the passion too. But if this ends at any time, then I no longer have a source of income, which maybe I look at that differently because I have three kids and a wife and she's like currently going to school. So I'm the, the sole provider right now for my family. Like, why would I do something to ruin my chance at making money? This is not even talking about my passion for the game. This is sole like survival instincts. It makes no sense to me why we continue to bash the game that we do and the way that we do it without, we, we find really good ways to talk about all the things that upset us. 
And we go out of our way to never talk about the things that make us happy. And so all that the, the like 12, 15, maybe even 18 year old kids who are watching their favorite players talk all this crap on the game. Like, why would they want to like then play it professionally? Or why would they want to keep watching it? Or if I'm a 25 year old kid that goes to college and his only spare time is to like watch the pro games, why am I going to waste my time? I got a, I got college. I got to like, like work on, or I got like a real life job where I'm like a new person trying to go up in a company. Why am I going to waste my time watching this? If you don't even like what you're doing, there's like, it makes no sense to me the way that we treat our baby. Like literally there's so many things that we could do to make it better. But I think for the, and this is not true for everything. Cause I do think that there are times where we do have very positive people in the community. I think Macy's a really good one. Macy, like constantly you'll see like tips and tricks and, you know, like cool things you can do, you know, I think that's really great for the community. And I think there's even like get flanked as well. Like kind of like tries to hit more onto the positive, like competitive side is of it. Like those kind of people, like they are doing that. So we're, it's not all bad. And, and I would say, I guess mostly it's like the players that are always bashing on it, but um i just i feel like we have to voice when we're happy a lot more than when we're angry but it never seems that we're ever winning that battle and i know there's like a ton of different things that are going on in the game server instability big orgs pulling out like you know this and that like happening that it's hard to always find something good to talk about but there's always a way to like spin it in a way that isn't as bad as we say, you know, it's, it's not one of these, like, well, the game's shit like that. And that's it. Like period, the end, like nothing more than that. Like, it's just like a one-off and it's, I don't know. I, I, I think we can do a lot better as a pro community. And a lot of the times I, I look at some of the stuff we say and I'm like really uh, disappointed. I will say that there are people who are negative in the game. That that's kind of like their persona. I think Super's like a really good one at that. Well, I'm waiting he, for you to say his name. I think he, in my opinion, balances a fine, a good fine line. I, when I first met him, we kind of went at it a couple times on social media, and after kind of understanding him a lot more, I appreciate like the void he fills in the community. But like, I'm talking about the people that do it, that are like. Once, and I, I think we have even people on our team that are like guilty of it as well. And I do it as well, also. But like, just like being mad at the game and just being like, it's shit. And they're like, what does that do, man? Like, it's not good. It doesn't help. I get, I get that you have to vent your frustration, vent it. But also, like, the next day, if something good happens, why are you not saying that? Like, it needs to be a mix of both. I agree. Not much else to say, but yeah, I agree with you on all that. Um, I've never been a fan of it, especially like simply as like the game sucks, like this game is ass kind of thing. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. Like, I, I think, yeah, you can you can word things better and like make it constructive and somewhat positive. And like, yeah, I I think it's been said many times, just like. 
if you have a problem, state the problem and then provide a solution. Um, and may, hey, maybe it's not like the perfect solution, but like at least it's a step in the right direction and starts a discussion. It's just something positive comes out of it. And then, yeah, I agree as well. Like we, you should share the positives as well. Um, I've definitely been quieter on social media because I've been frustrated lately. Um, but I, again, like I try not to post the negative stuff because yeah, it just, it doesn't do us any good. Um, I, I agree that like, I feel like people want us to like people do it basically because they think, well, if we're not heard privately, we'll, we'll be heard if we say it publicly. And I think there's definitely an issue with communication with Ubisoft. And I think, I, I don't think there's like any denying that, but it doesn't change when we say it publicly either. It's just like, we don't, we don't hear anything regardless, really. That's the problem. Like, like this update, like changing the meta and like dealing with all these complaints we had, like a lot of it we didn't know about until like it happened. So like we've been going on and on about the Jaeger Omai, uh, indestructible gadget or bulletproof gadget stacks like over and over and over again. And we're like, are they going to say anything? Is anything going to happen? And then all of a sudden all this happens. So like, Oh shit. So they were listening. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think venting it angrily publicly does much good. I think you can do it constructively publicly. Sure. And then, that might make it more heard because it'll it'll pull a lot of traction and a lot of people will get talking about it. But yeah, there's no there's no point to be overly negative about it. I think um, one big thing too to like point out is I don't I don't think that you should never say anything. Like you, it shouldn't be to the point where you're not saying anything negative ever. That's not yeah. what I mean as well. Like you know when like the servers are clearly a big problem right now and i think everyone including the dev and ubisoft and face it like everyone knows we like gamble and guess like pre-match what what server we're going to play on we've never done that before like should we go to like south central like or should we go to west like we've never had to even guess like that before so like that's something that definitely has to be brought up but it's i'm talking about the people who who like every four days has a clip on social media about something that the server did to them. And then it's like, haha, this is garbage. Like, okay, you said that four days ago. Did you expect they were going to do maintenance on the server in four days? Like they know it's a problem. Like we know it's a problem. Like at least portray your message in a more constructive way than just like, look at this shit. Like it, that doesn't help, you know? I think there's a couple things here that I've always said these, and I will say, say I will say the same things that I've said many, many times. I don't think we need to be endlessly positive about the game, and even I will echo what both of you say, where it's like, I've skewed more towards sharing my frustrations with the game. And my frustrations with the game are not necessarily, you know, the, the spot that it's in with the meta. Obviously, I am frustrated with that. I, I'm frustrated with the quality of the servers right now. I am frustrated that... It seems to be that there is a technical issue plaguing every round or every map of professional play and it, it causes delays and leads to longer days and there's no real way to change it. My greater issue is lack of communication. I don't really know how you go about encouraging Ubisoft to do that. 
I will say that the amount of communication that Ubisoft has done has seemingly decreased by a lot over the last eight months. And it looked to be quite promising towards the tail end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. They started publishing their concerns blogs. They started talking about things that they were focusing on. They seem to be communicating more. Since the lockdowns and quarantine have happened, that that well's just dried up. And the problem is, is that you can't, you can't get angry at people speculating when there's been that much radio silence. We have talked on these 19 episodes, we have talked about the Malusi style meta because this, this podcast started the day after Steel Wave was announced. So it's, it's been a problem for 19 episodes and we've taken breaks. Well, that's, that's, a, that's 20 weeks at minimum. Almost half of the year has been us complaining about the meta. And there's been no communication on that. Yeah, every now and then, a player who went to a workshop might understand that some of us that aren't at workshops are still under the same NDAs and they might give us a couple breadcrumbs. Oh, you know, I know, I know this operator's being changed. Oh, I know that this is, this is changing around. We're under NDA, so we can't say anything about it either. But that doesn't help the community. That just helps a couple players who are there. So I don't think that everybody needs to be endlessly positive. And I do think that putting pressure on, on developers, whether they be Ubisoft or otherwise, putting pressure on them via social media is perfectly legitimate, but it should be a last resort. At the same time, I also am aware that in politics, when I worked in politics, staffers couldn't go on Twitter and blast their own political party. When I worked and I see friends working, in the games industry, you think Ubisoft employees can just go on and shit on Ubisoft? No. I know commentators who don't shit on their employers publicly. You know what they have? They have private accounts. They have locked private accounts with 40 to 50 close friends following them, and that's where they complain. I have political friends that have this. I have friends in the gaming industry who have this. I have friends in other industries who have this. When I worked at, when I worked at uh, a hotel, we had to go through media training on the first day. And on the second day, we had to sign an online code of conduct that openly said we could not disclose the identities of the people that were staying on the property. And we could not openly slander or insult the company that we work for. And it was grounds for immediate termination. And yet we have pro players here going off and off and off about how Ubisoft is incompetent or how they don't balance their game and etc. And it's like, this doesn't fly in any other industry. You cannot just go and blast your employer and pro players are employed by a certain extent by Ubisoft because they make this game and they help mm -hmm. fund professional play. Yeah, I do agree that people ought to be media trained and that lots of players aren't. But I don't think you need to be media trained to just know that you can't go online and just slander the person that is paying your bills without there being consequences. But a lot of this community, like the world, don't like to be held accountable for the things they do. It's the same reason why content creators get, they just shit on Ubisoft and wonder why they're not getting invited to content capture events. Well, because all you do is make fun of Ubisoft. Why, why does Ubisoft going to pay to fly you out to give you access to new stuff just for you to be an asshole? Like, use your brains. Yeah, it's a, and, it, and it goes beyond that for me, which I do agree. Like, it's if it's your job, like, you've got to be 
kind of held responsible in some right. But like also too, if you just think about like the fact that those people on the other side are humans, if you constantly are bashing on them and talking about how bad stuff is that they do, why are they ever going to look at your account and listen to you? I get, I can guarantee you there's so many devs. If like you ask them, like how often do you look at certain people's accounts? They'd be like, it's like, there's no point. It's like me with Reddit. What I was explaining earlier. Where if I go to Reddit, it literally is like a, like if I do anything wrong or whatever, or or one of the players do, like I could lose like full mentally. Like these guys, like I cannot believe these things they're saying to me. Like that's what Twitter is for the devs, in my belief. We have we have yes. like expended any sort of like way to critique them and get it to work because we have just like we've hammered it in way too far. Like we can't get it back out. Like unless there's like some give and take that's why like i'm saying like they're not there's why would they listen it doesn't make any sense like they're doing every single time they look at what you say you you're just bashing them why are they going to look at what you say doesn't make get upset by the way that the devs unfollow pros and they're like that's so unprofessional and it's like is it unprofessional that a dev unfollows you when all you do is harass the devs for the game they make like what like, there are plenty of devs who don't follow me. Do I take it personally? No, you are not. There's no contract that is signed that somebody who's working on this game needs to follow you. Like, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> there is a world outside of Twitter. I don't know. That I agree with sense. you, though. I agree with you. And there's lots of there's lots of little kids. And I say little kids because a lot of wannabe players they put their age in their Twitter profile. And I always kind of chuckle when I'm getting with Lately, it's been about politics because I've been tweeting a lot about the election. But even about the game, when I'll tweet something about like, you know, I had that tweet a couple weeks ago saying that players need to be more professional. And that if they want to be professional, they need to be professional. And I was getting constantly people telling me, like, you're taking it way too seriously. Like, that's not how it works. And I click on their Twitter profile and it's like 15, 14 times diamond. And it's like, (laughs) sure, you're a 15 year old kid. I'm going to take cues for you on what being professional means. You know, like, and it would, I remember when I was 15, I was a fucking idiot. I don't know many 15s that were 15 year olds that weren't. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of growing to be done here. And the problem is, is that. A lot of these young kids are really influenced by the people that they view to be role models. And a lot of them, they revere pro players. And the moment that one of their idols says something, it might not change the fan's mind, but it does signal to them that it is okay to talk like this. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll hit on Super again. I, I think like, hit on he him? had that... Yeah, definitely. Um, he had that twit longer about the points and the breakdown, which I thought was an insanely good read. I like shared it with like multiple people because I thought it like that's to me okay. Like he went through and explained the whole process of why he was frustrated in detail. And was there a lot of negative things said in there? Sure. Like so that's just super right. But like the whole time, he's also explaining himself. Like we're getting. Not just the frustration, but we're also getting where it's coming from and also to like, what's the next step to do? Like, I don't think it's, I don't want it to be this thing where 
Lycan doesn't want you to be negative. The only thing you can say is good things. Like, there's plenty of ways that you can go about saying negative things. It's just, you know, you gotta you gotta put something behind it, or it's just like I don't know. It's just like a grab for attention, and it's negative. I mean, I think it is. I think it is partially attention based. There was a large content creator that I remember I got into a big fight with in DMs once. Um, it was around. Remember when they put the road to SI playlist in and they put operator bands in? Oh, and yeah. all the pros started complaining. Oh, there's no MMR. Oh, it's casual. You can drop out whenever you want. Oh, it's not the pro map pool. Blah. And it's like. <laughs> People have been asking for them to experiment with this. They're not just going to change the entire ranked structure on a dime to match it. They're going to need to warm people up to it. And I remember there was a, a couple pros just tearing it apart on Twitter. And I did a very lengthy bang on about it. And then after that, one of the pros DM me and they're like, you called me out on your stream, like blah, blah, blah. And I said, I never said your name. I said, if you would like to label yourself as one of those people who are being irresponsible with their words, you're welcome to tell on yourself. Right. I'm not the one who's telling on you. And then they said to me, and it was the, almost word for word. I'm probably going to paraphrase a little bit, but it basically was, we have audiences that like when we say this stuff. So that's why we say it. Well, it sounds like you got a pretty shitty audience then. If your audience only thrives off of the negativity that you create around the game, then find a better audience. You get the audience you build. Yeah. And I think it's really telling. And if, and if they're kids, which a lot of them are, a lot of them are young, it's nice to have hundreds of people agreeing with you. I think we can all agree with that. It's kind of nice to all of a sudden just have people like, throw compliments at you and oh my god you're so right man they're endorphins <laughs> yeah. any thoughts Trump? I, I mean i just agree with everything you guys are saying i a big thing like and said is yeah just if you're thrown at the negativity there's got to be some some explaining behind it it's uh I mean, it's always been like something I've brought up, even just in teams is like, if you're going to say you disagree with something like, all right, tell me more. Don't just say I disagree. Mm -hmm. um, there used to be like, yeah, like so, saying something is bad, like, OK, why is it bad? And then even if even if you just explain why it's bad and you don't necessarily have a solution, if you can at least explain it, then at least we could start get like someone else could start working on. OK, well, how do we fix it? even if it's not you that finds a solution. And uh, another thing, again, I just want to reiterate is what you were saying about the communication. I think that that's definitely a big reason, and that's what's been disheartening for me. Because, um, yeah, I just... You, you want to feel, feel somewhat heard or acknowledged, recognized. Um, even... Like, even if you're not acknowledging all the other guys that are just saying, like, the game is shit, this is ass, but, like, the people that are trying to to be constructive, like, letting us know that we're heard, I think, uh, would go along. It, it would keep a lot of people happy, I think. Um, but, yeah. I think we shot ourselves in the foot a little bit at the very beginning, because I feel like they were very open with the pro players, but 
there was just leaks after that discord leaks that discord fucked us for years after leaks and it it made it to a point where it's like what do they tell us when should yeah. they tell us and that's i think why we're kind of in the spot we are it's not all it's not all all our fault i think like there should be a way where i don't know some of those people are held accountable so like we can still get the communication but i th- I think it's just something that's happened over time. That's just kind of put us in a spot where like the people that are like, kind of like get, unless you're like Troy or, or skies or like Bosco, like people that have been around the game forever, unless you're like all the way from there, like these people are like, they had nothing to do with those leaks at the beginning, but now they're paying for them, you know? Like, so there's like a small number of people that were even there at the beginning, which I don't think any of them were the leakers in the first place, but it's it stinks that these new players are coming in that are like, why aren't you talking to me? It's not my fault, but yeah, I wish there was something that could be done about that. Uh, the for people that don't know the full background story, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because the the Discord was right when I was getting involved. Basically, there was a quite a hands off, laissez faire style of approach where there was just a Discord server where the devs would just openly share stuff with pros. But there was no real repercussions, nor any ground rules set other than like a please don't share this, which obviously means nothing. And it leaked nonstop. And eventually, after issues with players venting about it on Twitter and openly discussing confidential content, the devs just closed the discord and were like, never again. And this would have been early to mid 2017, if I remember correctly. And we didn't get any real style of communication other than the select in-person workshops, which prioritized people who lived in either Canada or in Ontario and Quebec. Uh, We didn't really start to see a rebound from that until the tail end of 2018, beginning of 2019. Just for perspective of how long that kept everybody in the dark for. I'll even say it, we still get it every now and then. Uh, I got, I kind of got into it with uh, one person from Ubisoft because back in March, um, it got leaked about the theme park switch. Within, it was like within like 16 hours or something. The the fact that we were going to start playing on theme park was on Twitter, and then people from Ubisoft were were tweeting out about like. How are we supposed to, you know, communicate when this stuff's just getting leaked immediately? And I come from the military and I was on a submarine and and from being on a submarine, I had to have a secret clearance and clearance and like that kind of information is very serious, Yep. obviously for the right reasons. But I showed to them through a screenshot, all the different people that were still allowed to be in that discord because they weren't cleaning it up properly that like it's hard to even say who even leaked that information there was there was like players like yellow who i like brought up earlier that was on my team year 2 season 2 that quit after that season and never played again that was still in that discord all the way up until march not saying yellow did it either but i'm saying like we yep. there was like a lack of control on the information and also way too many loose lips in the discord and i think that caused a lot of problems and hopefully we, we can come up with a way where the right people get the right information and those people just shut up because like, other than that, like we can't expect to get the communication that we're, that we want, you know? 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, Skies actually said something in the chat that I wanted to touch on. He said something earlier. He said, uh, when it comes to tweets, though, I do think podcasts like this is much easier. Uh, it's much easier to explain such understand the tone of a complaint. You can't really read emotion via text or a tone. Yeah. Um, and I completely agree 100%. with that. It's actually a big reason why I wanted to start the podcast. Like, I think not. I mean, some people know. Parker wanted to do a podcast for like a really long time. And I was always like, yeah, I don't like I don't know if years. I can do yeah, like, and I, I was like, I was interested in the idea, but I didn't know if I wanted to juggle it while playing. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where I had more and more things I wanted to say consistently about the game that I thought it would be a good thing to do. And there's other reasons as well, but um, it's a big reason why. And like, I know, I know very well personally, like I can't communicate well through text. I don't put my thoughts out well because... A, a big problem I have is like I, I always want to go back and change things. I'll never, I'll never get out my whole idea. I'd rather just ramble it on and then have the discussion, go back and and agree or disagree on things I said, and so on and so forth. And also to convey tone. Like for example, like when I when I'm complaining on here about like well my meta and like I did my whole antics about like Bolo behind a shield jiggle, jiggle peeking me. Like if I just did a tweet all caps like Bolo keeps jiggle peeking me behind a shield. This game is shit. Like that would be a lot different than my whole like explanation of why I think all this utility is a problem. And then it ends with, yeah, that funny moment where I'm dealing with this fucking guy behind a shield that just destroys me. But I, I think an example though, like I think like Seth did with a twit longer. I think yeah. if you're comfortable, like writing, writing out your thoughts like that, doing that. Um, I've even seen, I mean, he hasn't done it really to the game, but like I've seen like Yeti with like his post game stuff. He does a he does videos now. I think that's a good thing. Just posting a video talking. Um, yeah, I mean, just if if you really want to express your thoughts, I think just sit down, talk for a bit, ramble. Um, I definitely think we're gonna have more and more pros on here to convey their thoughts, and I think I'm glad we're kind of giving more people a platform to to speak their thoughts uh, on the game in, in a more constructive and, and well thought out and easier to understand uh, medium. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, guys. And I think, yeah, more and more people should, uh, <laughs> should try to yeah, make, either make videos, twit longers, whatever. Don't be afraid to use more words than five fucking words in a clip, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super wants you to tweet in all caps. Bolo keeps jiggle picking me off a shield. This game is shit. Just in all caps. Uh, I mean, Houghton also said the same thing. A podcast just feels like a more civil way to get your point across. And it's true. And I have to realize as well that I get frustrated with players and how they just kind of like post their thoughts ad hoc and don't think of the consequences. But then I also realized that I can at any point fire up my stream and if I do a, a bang on, I get viewership. And I know it's not the same for a lot of other players if they were to do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of A, they might not be comfortable sitting in front of a camera and just talking at a camera. I mean, we, we see players in post-game interviews all the time. They have the charisma of a picnic bench. You know, they're not the kind of people who are going to sit there and be able to like eloquently explain their thoughts especially if it's not scripted or rehearsed being able to do that off the cuff is a skill it is not something that is innate for a lot of players and they are not media trained they don't like doing interviews but the thing is is that we have a we have like this gulf 
in Rainbow Six that needs to be filled with content. I want to know what a lot of pros think about certain operators. I want to know what certain pros think about different metas and different teams and different maps. And unless I'm watching their stream and I get a, a four second clip where somebody's like, what do you think? Of, what do you think of DZ? Yeah, I mean, I think they're a good team. <laughs> and it's like super, you know, like I'd love to hear your actual thoughts. And that's one of the reasons why this show, by the way, was not conceptualized to have consistent guests. The idea was, was that we would bring on a guest here or there, depending on the topic, but it would mostly just be Troy and I. But we liked that the guests brought a new perspective and the audience yeah. liked it. So we started bringing guests every week. And now this has become a show where a guest every week is the norm. That was not at yeah. all how it was intended to be. And the thing that a lot of players should realize is that even filming, because everybody, everybody here that has OBS can film a short video. Twitter caps your video at just over two minutes. Film a two-minute video. Film a two-minute video on OBS and then upload it to Twitter and then just title it something like My Thoughts on the Current Meta. And it'll get you engagement. It's content. Stream about it. Do a stream and talk about it. Do a twit longer. I often argue against twit longers because they're not usually good for engagement. A lot of people skip past them. Type out your thoughts in a notepad doc on your phone and screenshot that and upload that as a picture. Twitter is not conducive to good conversation. It's a 280 character platform. It doesn't really work. You're describing that like I just I want to see someone do like a whiteboard thing, like they write it down and draw diagrams and shit. Like, like they got a little deployable shield there, and then like Bolo's little head behind her or some shit. <laughs> that would be funny. A whiteboard episode explaining the meta or something. That'd be good. But uh, yeah, I I agree. I think more and more people just explaining their thoughts, it would be better. Uh. It's like, like for example, just like me disagreeing with you on the uh, the echo nerf, right? Like, it's it's so much easier to to have the conversation about it and just to talk about it more because if if you just said I think echo should be nerfed, then I'd be like, well, I disagree with that, and like I wouldn't know why you think it, right? And that's the thing is you need you need to be able to express why you think it so that whoever whoever you're talking to whoever hears you can be can be can empathize and be able to to see okay that's why he thinks that and like like after you explain why you thought echo should get a nerf and same with like it it makes a lot more sense to me i mean i i, I partially saw that anyways and i'm okay with dealing with regardless but my take on it is the reasons i gave earlier for why i thought echo could play out better in the current meta or the future meta um but yeah, just being able to explain why you think that. I feel like it's it's an issue. And I think a lot of pros don't realize that they have the issue where they just they give the end point. They give just the yeah. idea, right? Like this is bad. This is shit, right? But not why. And uh yeah, I just I just think explain yourselves a bit more. Yeah. The one thing that I that I will say is that somebody talked about um they're like, how many devs watch this show or something like that or hot and ask that a fair bit. And I don't say that to like toot our own horn, but I get DMs from devs every now and then. And I've seen devs. I, I know their personal accounts because not all the devs use like obvious accounts. I see personal accounts from devs in the chat from time to time when I do look down and read it. I know they watch and I know they talk as well. 
And I know that there there was one time in particular where I did that bang on I did about the Road to SI playlist. Uh, the devs at Ubisoft literally announced to each other that I was doing it and then they came to watch. You know, so it's like this kind of content gets viewership. And the yes. devs do pay attention. And I remember I tweeted about uh, when Tichanka was listed with Withstand. I am a huge, huge proponent of either making Withstand for everybody or taking it away from everybody. It should not be assigned arbitrarily. And right now it is. I'm glad that they took Tachanka's withstand away because it made no sense to give it to him. But I think they should t either take it away from Zofia or reduce the reduce the bleed out timer for everybody and give withstand to every operator and make it so that people have to secure their kills. Do I think that would change the game? Yeah, but try it at least. I'd just rather they take it away from Zofia and be done with it. I don't think that's likely to happen, but I put out a tweet thread of, I think, three or four tweets explaining my thoughts i had two devs that day message me thanking me for explaining my thought process and that it was valuable feedback rather than just complaining about withstand yep. are they going to do anything with it i don't know but that tweet was a month and a half ago now withstand is no longer on tachanka did i have a role to play in that probably not but who knows we don't know some role maybe some role sure but, you know, I, I think that we gain we gain a lot more from explaining our thought process. And there was there was somebody in here, by the way, who was a dev. Not going to out them, who basically said the most valuable feedback you can give us is telling us what happens and why you feel that way. Yeah. Why are deployable shields frustrating? What are the uses around deployable shields? why do you get frustrated playing with them because stats wise lion was a very balanced operator stats wise the attack and defender win rates were 50 50 yet everybody hated lion and he was frustrating to play against the stats don't show that yeah not everyone sees everything the same like and especially like as pro players like you like you're living the game like you're you're scrimming it every day you're playing it non-stop so like you're you're facing these shields all the time and like to you it's just obvious right like it's broken every time you watch a game that's all you see because you look for it because that's it's all you deal with but it's not the same to everyone else right like they don't they don't see all the all the levels and layers behind it um yeah. and yeah just i just explaining it uh i know that i've always like when I've gone to the playtest, I've always kind of spoken in the same manner about how I, how I express my thoughts on the game. Um, and like I, I still have the the random outbursts where like I think something's ridiculous, and I'll have like that bolo jiggle peak thing where like like I remember when Lion was broken, like I was like y you can just like the the other team has to sit still and they can't move because initially when Lion, I will say so I think it's very public knowledge that um. When Lion was was created, like a lot of people were against how how he was going to be released. Even further before that, though, he could chain. He had no cooldown between his Lion calls, so he could just do all three in a row. So you had to just sit still for like <laughs> ten seconds straight. Yeah. Otherwise, you got hit with wall hacks. And like I remember literally playing him in the playtest, and just like I was just on a solo mission, just chaining the Lions off, and like the other team couldn't move. We were at, we were at both lion playtests, you and I. And like that one, I remember that one got nerfed literally for the next playtest. I mean, some things are definitely slower, 
and I know Finger that got, Finger got buffed, Lion got nerfed when we went to the second play test. Yeah. Finger was but, Finger got nerfed and then got buffed and then got then she got oh no, she got this Finka was originally really different, and then the first playtest we went to, she was really weak, and then she was better for the second one. Yeah. The second playtest was also how it affected shields, and that's when Blitz was... <laughs> but yeah, I remember, like, complaining about these things, and I, I, I'm always... Like, I, I definitely let, like, my emotions get the best of me, and I'll, like, mm. let it seep through and definitely be overly negative about some things. But yeah, like... You need to you need to let out the the rational side as well and explain things. And I I've never had like a bad conversation with a dev where I didn't feel like they understood what I was getting by the end of it. Um, didn't like, you tweet something like weren't your exact words like Lion is the stupidest operator ever invented in the history of Rainbow Six or something like that? It was just very was it? I, I remember I remember you said that you were like something. I, or, me- I remember like, said something bad about so and so is like the dumbest operator that's ever been invented or something like that. Oh, Kali. It was Kali when you said that she's the most broken or something. I I said that I... So Kali, she changed from the playtest and I actually didn't know (laughs) about it and I let it out. (laughs) I was at the playtest for Kali. That one was crazy. Yeah, like initially she was she was out of control, but she got nerfed and I didn't know about it. So I was... I I got ahead of myself. Uh, I I remember I actually went back on it. Uh, I was talking to Mello, one of the devs, and he literally he was calling me out basically because of that afterwards about like i think i was talking to him about having an alternative to thatcher and then he quoted like that that cali tweet mm-hmm. i was like yeah i was i was wrong about that one like but i mean yeah you're you're going to be wrong sometimes i mean they know that as well that's why they don't always listen to us because we are definitely irrational sometimes we overreact to things plenty um so yeah i I think there's been uh, there's there's been plenty of things that we've overreacted to, uh, but I just yeah having the constructive conversation, man. We we got to get we got to get uh, more people doing it and just kind of set that standard of of how to give feedback. I think it'll uh, it'll be better for the game overall. I think we'll get more changes out of it. I think we'll be happier with the direction the game goes in, and I mean I think. I mean, I think it'll just be healthy for the game. Like, it, it spreads a better message and a more kind of optimistic view of the game rather than just this shit sucks. Get private Twitter accounts and then only let like 10 of your closest friends follow it and then complain and shout into the void where nobody can see it. You will feel better. 100%. I had one when I was in politics, I don't use one anymore. I just vent. If I need to vent, I just vent to like friends that are outside of esports. But um, I think that there, when I was in politics, it was really helpful to have a private account that nobody knows about. Smarter. Yeah, I mean, it's you definitely have to get that frustration off your chest, or you know, it can affect you, like playing and all that stuff, and you got to be able to like let it go but you got to remember like the twitter that you have is not just family friends and people that you went to high school with it's not like some facebook account you know like like people people that look up to you are reading what you're saying like 
are you okay with like that guy you're their idol are you okay with that guy seeing what you're putting like i don't know i i think people just need to think just a little bit more before they say some things yep and this is not this is not just rainbow six as well this is something that happens everywhere uh valorant i think has a worse community than us in that regard uh the amount of shit i've seen about i don't know who jet is but I feel like I've seen more tweets about Jet than anything Rainbow Six related over the last two months. So, uh, and I don't really follow it Valorant people either. But it just, it seems like they love to talk about Jet. Um, fuck Jet, fuck the op. Yep. That doesn't mean anything to me. So it's <laughs> like, I don't know what that is, but it's like, that's all I see all the time. I don't play Valorant. I, I don't watch Valorant, but... Yeah, I gotta say, like, the amount of shit I see from Valorant players is off the wall. But there are times where I think it's good to to hold developers accountable. I mean, Apex Legends just came out with a battle pass that is probably one of the worst battle passes that have ever been released. You know, the amount of grinding that needs to be done to just advance a single level is inhuman. And the community revolted. And instances like that, I think it's fine that the community blasts off you know the 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 very public backlash that ella and lion got didn't do anything in the immediate but it's certainly shown ubisoft that they need to be quicker to push nerfs and i think overall they have been they nerf powerful operators i think the problem is is that they don't want to nerf operators in isolation because they're afraid that well i don't know what they're afraid of frankly but Is there anything else, by the way, about the uh, about the changes that were made that either of you two want to touch on? We talked about Jaeger. We talked about deployable shields going off of Valk and, and Wamai. Talked about Echo. Talked a little bit about Ash. Talked about IQ's place in all of it. Talked about Albana. We talked about Aruni. I think we. Got Is there anything else on your? Do you still have the list up? Because I don't have a a list. I actually of just stuff. List, I looked at big shout out to Dev Marta. I just I just okay. looked at his tweet. Um, okay. Theme park, or sorry, Outback is out of uh, ranked. Um, no update on the replay system. No update on the reputation system. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about everything, unless someone in chat can think of something. Because skyscraper, like, is like the I know the remake, but we haven't seen it yet, right? Yeah. So, oh wait, they kind of did it a little bit. Like, there's a lot more parts of it that are now inside that used to be outside. So, more room for rotates. It's kind of hard to say anything, like, right off the bat with that map until you, like, actually play it. So, I don't, I don't know if there's much to talk about there. But. Yeah. I I can't comment on it yet. I, don't really I, I will know. say that, like, if um, the biggest problem with Skyscraper wasn't really, like, some needing some extra rooms. It was the fact that, like, a lot of the rooms were very tiny. And there's yeah. not a lot of places to be in each of the rooms. I like that they got rid of some of the balconies, so hopefully that makes it just harder for because of repels. Yeah. But I, I think skyscraper is just going to fall victim to like what it already was falling victim to before, and it's going to be in a in a point where maybe it could be just like a really good casual map, but like that's it because the rooms are just so small and it's yeah. so hard to like be anywhere as a defender without just getting smoked. Yeah. Well, and then at least at the highest level, what ended up happening is because like the rooms were so small, you would get pinned into like that one little spot. 
and then everywhere just about everywhere is destructible from below on that so like if you're stuck in any like any corner you get forced into on the top floor it just you just would die from below basically yeah uh, but yeah it was there wasn't much room to play with and i agree with that but from like the very little i saw it looked like there was more room basically like it looked more spacious um but yeah i'm not sure uh, between that and then like the amount of entrances to the building because there was like i think it's like two doors on the map the rest are all windows mm. um so yeah i think uh i think those are good changes but i just it's hard to say other than i don't know it's a, it looks new looks different which i'm happy with because the old skyscraper i wasn't a fan of hated it Hey, unbelievably hated it. Cannot tell you how much I hated Skyscraper. It's the most I've ever hated a map in this entire game ever. Um, the way that map played out was crazy. Dude, it was just a, it was fucking insane. It was every single bomb site. You can literally hop in a window plan and hop out and then just get on repel, upside down repel, a billion miles away, and there's no retake potential because the only way you as a defender can get out is that same goddamn window, which is onto a balcony, which if you're outside for more than two seconds, you're getting spotted. One second it's now. One second now. Yeah. It's like, then there's like half the bomb sites, there was too much to reinforce. The other half, there wasn't enough to reinforce. You know, like, every single thing, every floor was destructible. So no matter where you sat, it's like, hello, Buck. Hello, Zofia. Hello, Ash. You're getting smoked from below. Oh, that's okay. Just move somewhere else. Oh, half the walls are reinforced. Oh, we have to shoot out the other half of the walls and they can see you from a window. <laughs> Terrible fucking map. <laughs> I just really hope that it's... I really hope that it's better. Dude, I just... I mentally, every time I would ever play this game on Ranked, not that I win the vast majority of the games I play, but the moment that I queued into Skyscraper, I'll be like... I'm just, I'm, I know I'm going to lose at this point. <laughs> so. Yeah. I also hated cafe a ton though. The original cafe I came to hate with a burning passion. And now the new reworked cafe is one of my favorite maps and it still is. Mm. So I'm hoping that we see the same thing from skyscraper. I will be very upset if this ends up being a rework that is not competitive though, because then that puts two in a row that aren't super competitive and then adds to it where, also, you know, like Outback is a semi-recent map, not competitive, also terrible. Fortress, not really. I actually think Fortress would be okay, but a lot of people seem to hate it. I would like to have seen it be tried and competitive. But I also think that the new theme park is pretty good too, and everybody seems to still hate it anyway, so. I, I will say, like, the one thing about Fortress, I actually didn't mind that map. I guess I'll say that first. But with the Jaeger Wamai meta, I could have told you that map would have been awful because there there was like very little walls to destroy and to begin with. Hmm. So you'd have so many defenders sitting in corners with shields and like all the discs and, and ADSs and stuff. That one would have been a snooze fest to watch. Yeah. So yeah, but I, I actually never minded that map that much in ranked. I actually would have preferred Fortress over Outback in the pool, like for this season, but I know there's a lot of people who don't like it, so that one doesn't really... That, I'm like, I'm like, I could take it or leave it on that map, you know what I mean? They don't have the best track record as of late for good maps, in my opinion. And I, and I will say this very fairly, in terms of making these maps competitive, the maps are fun. Like, I don't mind playing Canal casually. I don't mind playing Chalet casually. I don't mind the house rework. 
I actually think is one of the better reworks they did. Does it make it competitive? No, it's house, but it makes it more fun. Mm -hmm. But it's like you look at it, and other than other than Oregon, it's been a long time since the clubhouse and cafe reworks. Other than Oregon, I, I mean, theme park's a good rework, but it was on a map that I just don't. I don't think people are ever going to like theme park. It, it's it's tough because it's like chalet is fun, but I don't know how competitive is it. It is canal is not superb. Outback is whatever. Fortress is not that great. Now we're looking at Skyscraper maybe being a competitive map. Maybe. We don't know. Hopefully at some point they get around to reworking Bank and Border. Are they going to hit the mark on those? I will say Bank needs it if it's going to come back. Because <laughs> with, with like the operators that are in the game just after it barely left not too long ago, Bank, bank would be so much worse. So... Yeah, I even with like just the small Habana changes, and then also to Cali as well. Like, Bank would be tough bank, to play right now. Bank went in on a good note, though. Yes, it did. But yeah, it was it was definitely its time. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. I love the map, but yeah, it, it was its time. I love actually Cash too. People are Sky talking about the like chalet, which I, I kind of yeah. agree too. I I haven't had any problems with chalet yet, so. I haven't got, to, obviously we haven't scrimmed it, but like, I haven't had any complaints about it yet. Right. No, I think, I think it seems pretty good. And like, yeah. just like thinking of ideas and like trying to imagine how it play out, I feel like it would be okay. But I mean, it's, it's always easier or easier to say than, uh, than actually know that beforehand. Like you kind of have to play to figure things out, but I think it would be a decent map. Um, yeah. Well, if there's nothing more to talk about in particular, I think we've covered a lot of good ground. It is six o'clock and I have to have dinner slash start making it about half an hour, which would put us perfectly in line for about four hours and also would allow us to get into questions. If there's no other topics that either of you two want to go at, we can go off of the questions that were asked in the Discord. There were some good ones. I already saw them. Cool. Unless there is a topic that you two want to address. Oh, there's a lot of questions, actually. There's a lot more than I thought. Would you like me to start, Troy? Uh, sure. Go ahead. This is one that's been talked about by a lot of coaches, but you didn't really dive into it too, too much, so I'll... some time for you to get through it is coming from a Super Minin. Asks, how do you think the role of a coach has evolved in Siege and who do you use as an example or who did you use as an example when you started? Um, yeah, the role of the coach, I, I did touch on a little bit with it being like friends or it was like your sub who was kind of mostly just an analyst. Um, you didn't really have like a person that could say that you they believed that you were doing something wrong. And that player wouldn't just be like, well, you don't really know how it is. I know how it is. And I think coaches have more changed into a, a, a role where they're allowed to give the players feedback and it's expected to be received and uh, like taken care of. I know that kind of really goes on to like the players and the coaches relationship a lot more deeper than that. But I kind of feel like more coaches now are like held responsible for the play style that's being played with i guess the exception of one team in particular where it wasn't the coach's play style it was the player's play style i'm not going to get into that but um i think it's really cool to see like 
the, the it really kind of take a traditional sports like role now in siege as, as we're like kind of getting older and growing as a community um who did i take from shas i think was like the only person i looked at when i because he started before me and that i really kind of came into the coaching role when g2 penta were like starting to just build up so i took a lot of um how i saw them play now this is like a big thing that i think is impossible to see and that's what a coach actually does for a team because there are times too where i would see so many people be like oh penta's nasty shas is a god coach and i used to think to myself like how do you know that like how do you know he's doing anything because you i mean you don't i've seen what he does in person and now i know but there's a lot of times where we give people too much credit and um I took a lot of, I guess, just Penta G2's playstyle, and I'll say that's because of Shots, but I think it's because of the whole team, and I've kind of built my playstyle for the team around that. I think that's very fair. And I, I would also tell you that as a caster, and I see coaches at certain events, even I ask what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, my question is going to be, should coaches be able to speak to the team during or between, between the rounds? Oh, I, was I knew you were going to, I saw that, I saw that one yesterday. I was like, Trey's going to ask me that question. I know it. That one was bound to be asked. Yeah. Um, I don't believe they should. And I know that there's a lot of people that I even saw a couple of days, I think from Jordan, he said something about it and it would show like good coaches or bad coaches, but I'm like on the other mindset of it. I don't think that idea is bad. I think the the players don't have to be as good if the coach has to be as good. You know what I mean? And I want the players to be coached well enough that I don't have to say anything. Like you true, you show how good of a coach you are, not by the fact that you get to talk to them in the middle of the game. You show how good of a coach you are by making sure that they don't even have to look at you during a timeout. That I've taken some timeouts and I've literally said, I don't have much to say here, but I feel like we need to try a timeout. Troy, just go ahead and like explain what you want to do for the next round. Yeah. Because they know what to do. And like I feel that I'm doing my job the best if they're they don't need me, you know? So I, I don't agree with it. I think it would take away from the players. All right. Uh, this one's from MK. It's right under the question I just asked. There's a lot of good questions for you, actually. Yes. Favorite, like, these are sincerely some of the best questions that we've been asked. Some of the questions <laughs> are like, ha ha, like, why are you so cute? Like, uh, like not, 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 I mean, people could ask so them about you. you. That's a very yeah, valid nice question bro. to ask about you. No, I didn't. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> no, I said, so I'm not cute. Nice. No. No, no, it's just that these are these are a lot of there are a lot of good questions here. Sometimes we dig through them and it's like, man, it is hard finding like six, let alone eight good questions. So this these one there are plenty here. Favorite strategy you have ever helped design and the favorite that you have ever seen used. Mm. Ooh, the second part of that's hard. So my favorite strategy that I've ever helped design, I feel like people would just want me to say the SSG Rome, because that's like just I guess what we're like known for. The most memorable one for me is honestly a strat that we did before Troy was on the team. It was Streamhack Winter. 
It was against Penta. It was in the semifinals. Um, they they had a um, coastline red bar setup where they had a guy behind the red bar, and then they their next site anchor was an office, and then they had a guy. In, we call it quad, which is basically right outside courtyard on the front door side, and then two roaming above, and we hit a fast execute through kitchen and they had like a castle on the kitchen door and literally the sledge went to sledge the door and like backed out of the way and then ash blew through and killed the guy behind the red bar. And then the guy came in box and planted at the bomb. We designed that strat literally on the, the, the train ride or, or like passenger van ride on the way to the event. We talked through exactly like what would happen. Like, with all these random people, like, like people just on the on the bus with us, and we we're just like talking, like going through everything. I'm like, I really hope one of these people aren't like, you know, Penta. <laughs> and we're like, all just like kind of discussing it. We get, we actually get that map as one of the maps, and we run it, we hit it, and we won the round in 30 seconds. It was it was really cool to see like that kind of work just happen like on the fly. Jess, by the way, is in the chat. Jess at the time was the coach of Penta. And for people that might oh, yeah. be confused hearing this, this is not the Penta squad that most people might be thinking of, which is the G2 squad. This was the Penta squad that had Panics on it, that I think had Hungry on it. Yeah. If I remember correctly, yeah. yeah. That ended up finishing, that got the SI spot by beating yeah. you at DreamHack Winter us. and then yep. losing to G2 in the finals. Yes. And just for clarification here for people that... Because people hear Penta, and I think a lot of people just instinctively imagine the old Penta team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I gotta ask, it's a bit more meme but uh, as a parent of three young boys, what tests your patience more, the Siege players or the kids? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd say right now, like... The players, <laughs> I, I I I have to say, like you know, my boys are my boys because I like consider both both sides like my boys. Um, I think this the the siege guys definitely do only just because um, my real kids are so much younger right now, so I hold both sides to a higher standard. But it's like easier to give lax to the them because they're so much younger. And so, you know, when something's going on with the team, like I expect kind of like results a lot quicker than I would for say them to learn how to spell their own name. Like I'm not, you know, you yeah. know, it's, it's hard to be that more demanding when there's not a whole lot of responsibility for them. I kind of like, it's like a proportional thing for me. I hold like everyone I expect to the same standard, but obviously like if there's circumstances, say like your maturity that blocks it, I'm not going to go hard on you like I would, you know, someone else. Yeah. The chat wants you to name who your favorite assistant coach is, by the way. I mean, I only saw, have one saw that actually coach. asked that question. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, um, I mean, like, they both, uh, and, I, and this is something I joked about twice, but never actually talked about in the podcast. But it was a really big thing when we moved to three coaches. And um, I remember when we, we had first, like, revealed it. I, it was, like, before SI, I believe, was, like, when, like, the big trailer came out with all our fat heads. I don't know if you, like, remember the, 
the like we were like sieging into the space station or whatever yeah. and like it came out we had three coaches and a lot of people gave us a lot of crap about like oh my god like why why are these people running three coaches it's a joke like how many people do you need like just like and even do his job but there's like a specific reason why i have it the way it is and i've always said that if i was to probably need another assistant coach i don't know if i'd ever get one because Sav has known me since day one of Siege, and Sav fills a void for me that I don't see anyone being able to replace. Like, he's more of, like, mental and, like, the way he, like, breaks things down. I understand very well. I don't know if, like, we'd go back to a three-coach system if we didn't have the people that we have. And, like, also, too, the analytic work is, like, just so much. And, like, if you want to be good, you have to have a lot. And... First, we had data. And I'll tell you, like, even though data has gone through what me and data went through a lot of issues between us two personally, data is amazing at what he does, period. And I'm when I hired him, I knew like he was perfect for it. And then the same like too when I replaced him with Luke, I think both of them are the best. I haven't seen anyone touch what they do. And I think that most coaches would probably say that. But um, no, I'm really happy with the staff that I've had. And I don't think I could get through some of my frustrations with the team without being able to DM them privately about all the things, you know, that I want to say, but I don't want the boys to hear. So, no, I, I couldn't do it without them. They're just uh, th these couple. The chat is asking, have you ever had to ground Luke for acting up? Uh, who eats more? <laughs> who eats more vegetables? Your kids are the SSG boys. And who resists the broccoli more? So just, uh, if you just want to rattle those answers off real fast. <sighs> my kids actually, my real kids actually love vegetables. So I don't, I mean, like I do think some of the guys do eat very well, but my, I mean, my, my son literally eats a cucumber. Like it's like, Rampy seems like he's never eaten a vegetable in his life. Rampy's a little bit more of a picky eater, but he, I think, I believe he does like broccoli and like, he, he likes like onions. So like, okay. he, but like, there's other things that he doesn't eat that people would find weird. So it's yeah, veggies gross is what Nate says. Yeah, I think my kids would like veggies more than the R six guys. And then or last some question: of the other ones. Have you ever had to? Have you ever had to ground Luke for acting up on Twitter? <laughs> um, no, I feel like I I try to ground Iconic more than I ground Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic sometimes says shit on Twitter, and I just. I like, I'm like another one or like, you know, uh, I kind of act more like a dad to Iconic than I do to Luke, which they're all from like the same group or whatever. I usually not nah, usually with Luke. I think he's, he's found a good spot. I feel like, cause I, before maybe I would have said more stuff, but like now he, he writes up. a good, a fine line. Yeah. Those were just Iconic on the other hand though, bro. I, I usually will say stuff about Iconic. It's funny. I wonder if Super's still in here. Super's been floating around in the chat the whole time. I wonder oh, if yeah. he has to parent Iconic at all. <laughs> so. Troy. I, wasn't, I, was, I didn't intend those to be like serious questions, but you gave him really well thought out answers. So. I <laughs> seed <laughs> my that's time. That's what I do. As a coach, what do you feel... What do you believe falls under your responsibility? What specific goals do you think you can help a player accomplish? Or what problems does a player need to deal with on their own? For that matter, what things would you like to improve in your own coaching? Um, 
Well, that's very heavily worded. Um, so I, what responsibilities as a coach, like, I don't think that there's like a part of the team. Like here, here's the thing. Like I have three coaches, but I don't think that any part of their job is not my responsibility. I've pretty much hired them because I've trust, I trust that they can do what I want to be done and have the information that I need when it's time. So like, say if, I was to come to loop before a game and say, I need to know X about wide map and like what X is and blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, well, I don't know that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like loop doesn't have this for us guys. It's I don't have it because I expect like all assets of the, all aspects of, of coaching is my responsibility and my job. And I kind of trust that they'll, they'll obviously kind of like do their job, but I don't know how to answer like specific things. It's I guess all things is my is what is required of me. Um, as far as like working with a player, can you s- say that part again? Um, one sec. Uh, oh, what specific? What kind of goals do you think you can help a player accomplish, and what problems does a player need to deal with on their own? I so- think the only thing that a player can handle on their own that I don't really have control of is their emotions um because that's like an inner turmoil thing that like everyone has to deal with on an everyday basis and some people have it worse than others and you kind of have to let them know that you're like there for them but like you got to show up you got to do your part you got to because i i can tell you to care but you have to care you know so I think that's the one part you can't. Other than that, like, if, you know, you're talking about droning, entry fragging, like, any kind of, or, like, you know, kind of mechanical skills or stuff like that, I would expect myself as a coach to be able to help them with all parts of it. Yeah. Artifacts Warden has asked a couple of good questions in the past. I've seen the name. And this one's pretty good. I'm only going to ask the first part of it, though. Because it pertains to lichen what do you think your previous military experience brings to the table as a coach but i would also add if you think it does yeah it's not probably the answer that you would expect either um and i've talked about this with a couple different military either active or vets too in the past because they've asked me about it and the basically the shit that i had to put up with in the military um i'm not a very big military person i ended up there because i made really bad mistakes in college the first time around uh if you ask my mom she'll tell you that i was majoring in fraternity um like i i basically was in a fraternity and all i did was party and i wasted away like two or three years and then i realized i was screwing up i had to take the asfap and then i went into the navy um which is why i always tell kids to stay in school do your homework show up to class um but because you end up like i did uh, <laughs> Um, champion yeah um the big thing i think i take away from it is perseverance and endurance because um one key example i always give to people was there was one maintenance period that i was on and um they were what's called 12s basically i worked 12 hours on then i was allowed to have 12 hours off so it's they call them 12s or port starboard both ways in the navy I had to work a 12 hour shift and then we couldn't do the training for my job during the shift because of maintenance. So then I had to do a one hour training after shift. So I was 13 on 11 on 
And I did that for two months straight. So like, tell me what job in the world I'm ever going to have to ever do that again. I'm never going to have to work that much ever again. And so like sometimes when you're working, like I used to like go through people's Moss file picture by picture to find out some information because that's all you had. And like, I'd be doing that for years when I was doing analytics on my own. And, and people would be like, God, dude, you're, you like are going through so much work. And I'm like, this is nothing. I, not only, not only am I not even working the same amount of hours, but I'm doing something I love. I was working more hours and I didn't like what I was doing. So like, this is easy. That's what I got from the military. I remember those Moss days. God, yes, I would love it'd be like a contentious match and just the Moss monkeys would come out and they would just sift through them and find the craziest stuff. <laughs> Dude, Talon was like the Moss doctor. Yeah. I feel like you and Talon together on those Moss files. Whew. Yeah, it was. Yeah. A lot of hours just and then you'd find something you'd be like, go look at this guy's moss pile. Like, go look at it, go look at it. And it's like, you know, you find excitement through like I can't even believe I was excited through that stuff. <laughs> but it was a lot of it was a lot of work. Um hmm. we'll ask this one because it's highly uploaded. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a good question. Someone who's married and has kids, what is your daily schedule like and how do you balance family slash personal life with your responsibilities as a coach? This one's kind of cool. I like this question a lot. I remember the first time I ever saw anyone do anything like this was Wilkie. I don't remember if you guys like knew back in the day, Wilkie like near the end when he won, he had like posted just so if you're wondering, you want to know what like a, a grown up, I say grown up, but everyone's grown up because they're 18 plus, but like what, what an older person's going through with a married life and siege and like he literally had like a one hour block of freedom plus sleep. And I did one too at the time, but obviously I, he was uh, more known than I was. Um, but at the house, it's a little different when I'm at the house, when we have games, because I have more free time, obviously, because my kids and wife aren't there. Um, but when I'm here um, during the day, if I don't have a block where my wife, my wife's mom helps out a lot with watching the kids, if I need to do like work in the day, if that's not happening, I'm watching the kids during the day. And then when the wife gets home and like done with her stuff, it's usually around 4 p.m. Then that's when scrims are starting for us. So for me, typically, it's more like I'm watching the kids and then I'm going straight to scrims. There was like a brief period of time when I was also able to stream a lot. I know there's been a ton of jokes in chat about the fact that I don't stream, even though I stream or I say I will, but I don't. Um, I try to when I can, but then also too, I'm a very introverted person. And sometimes I use that like free time to just like watch a show or recently with being diagnosed in January and using that time to go work out or like kind of stuff like that and trying to be healthier. So um, yeah, I've, I've really slacked on like the streaming part, which I wish I could get on, but uh, I, I don't, my, my days are never the, always the same, but it's usually like I play dad during the day and I play boss at, at night. And then there's usually like a three hour, two hour time frame right before the end of the night, depending on like, if my wife's tired or not, we get to spend some like time together and then she goes to sleep 
and then I come back on the computer and I either play games with the guys or or I'll do some more like VOD reviewing or watch games back that I miss because I like never get to watch APAC live pretty much with my schedule. So if I ever want to watch APAC, I have to watch a VOD. I'm the same. I don't watch, uh, I can't watch APAC live. For people that don't know, by the way, I'm sure you've shared your diagnosis publicly. Yeah. 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 You and I were diagnosed with type one diabetes at within like two months of each other. I'm two. You're one. Oh, you're type I'm one? Two. Are you type two? No, I'm, yeah. I thought you were type one. Mm -mm. Oh. Well, we're not, we're not brothers then, but that's okay. No, we're a little bit different. Well, we're just like a cousins. tiny bit different. It was a tiny yeah. bit different. I thought I, I must have been confused then because I thought maybe when you were first diagnosed, you didn't know what type it was. But regardless, I know. Yes, was, I didn't at first. Yeah, it was oddly. And I know this sounds sadistic, but it was like oddly comforting that we were both going through this at the same time. Like yeah, I was all scared was nice. and it, worried. You helped me a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we both helped each other, you know, every single yeah. morning, especially at SI. It was hilarious because whoever yeah. got to the food first at SI were just like, not good. <laughs> You can't yeah. eat any of this. Neither can I. And it's like yeah. another day of salad. Awesome. Yeah. You know, like what's this? Oh, pasta. What's this? Oh, bread. What's this? Oh, lasagna. What's this? More pasta. Guess I'm eating salad and paper today. Yeah. So, yeah, it was always bad at SI. Like if I was first or you and I was already sitting down eating my full plate of just salad. Yeah. And then I see you walking up, just like shaking your head. And I'm like, I know. Like, it's tough. <laughs> I just got a mountain of broccoli and like a little bit of ranch on the side. And I'm like, we're done here. Like, yeah, dude, I, you, I mean, you weren't diagnosed at this time, but the catering in Japan was like, I, because Tokodami is like a, it basically is like an Island, right? Like that's connected to like the mainland. And the only real food you've got available is at the airport. So I told ESL, like when I got cleared literally the week before, the finals i got cleared to fly and come and i was like you're gonna need to find me food that i can eat and the very first day of catering at the tokenami finals i kid you not they i get a message in the group whatsapp being like we've let them know about your dietary needs blah blah, blah. there should be like alternatives that don't have any carbs in it cool i show up to catering it's like it's it's like a box of nuts and then it's uh bread with butter it's small like finger sandwiches it's potato salad. It's uh, it's like a noodle, like a cold noodle salad. It's lasagna, and then it's like buns or something like that. Yeah. And I looked, and I was like, "This is All entire carbs. carbs." I was like, "There's nothing <laughs> I can eat. Like nothing. There wasn't yeah. even a salad bar." And I just turned to them, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, you're gonna have to." Like, I don't know if they have Uber Eats, but you're gonna have to go get it. So. Yeah. But yeah, it is. I mean, it sucks that we both have it, but I mean, it is nice that it was nice that we kind of like went through it together and it was, it was, yeah. it was comforting. It was nice. Yeah. It made it felt like, cause at the time for me, it's a little bit different than yours too, because yours kind of is like, you have no control over it. Mine is kind of like, I did it to myself. Like when I was going through it, I was like pretty hard on myself and to like have someone kind of like, be able to talk through it was uh, really important for my, my mental uh, kind of back then. So it helped a lot. There are a few people in this scene that I've, I, I say this every time we talk, but I have to. 
There are few people in this scene that I genuinely like as human beings and genuinely respect. So I was like, the fuck is going on in this cruel world? I was like, not that I wish ill on people, but there's plenty of people I much would have rather had this happen to than like him, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that in its own dark way. Yeah, in a a dark way, so. Yeah. Uh, Troy, did you ask that question? I I asked that question, I did. Uh, I... Well, the question, the, the last question we asked, wasn't it about, was about his schedule, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You asked about his schedule, which, oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask basically the same thing. I was going to be like, take us through a day in your life was like one of the questions here. So Troy, Troy scooped it up. Um, uh, so this one is, uh, did you see what Dezichu and Leon were talking about, about like the Z ping and call outs? Did you see that Twitter thread? Mm, um, I saw, I saw Dez tweeted a crazy thread. I remember. Did that. you read it? Cause if, it was, if no. Lincoln didn't read it, then this, the question's not going to make any sense, but um, I mean, like I have my own opinions on it, but I don't, if it's too confusing, then it's fine. I, I can pull up while we're doing it. So the question was if you had any thoughts on the thread because Des kind of landed himself in a little bit of hot water by saying that he didn't dislike the Z-Ping and that it wasn't that big of a deal. And then he did the thing where it's like you say something and then you get shit on and then you try to explain it and it's not good enough. And then you try to explain what you were explaining and that's not good enough. So you just kind of have to keep explaining it. I'm trying to find it. How much does Desichu tweet? Isn't, Holy shit. No. I, isn't, I, isn't that kind of like the worst though, bro? When you're sitting I've down had that with your a phone. Times. It's hell. Or, or you like, you know, you line up your keyboard. You're like, I got this great idea. Like, yeah. I'm going to, and then you hit send and you're like, yes. Yeah. And then you get like 20 notifications and you're like, oh no. Like, Okay. So this is what he said. He said, uh, let's put this to bed properly and I'll explain my comments on the yellow ping skill knowledge communication. Lots of people wrongly quoting me and taking what I said way out of context and assuming without understanding. TLDR is that effective communications of map callouts are skillful as is communicating actions as a result of the yellow ping, but map callouts as a concept are not skillful. They are just knowledge. Is this where the meme comes from? This is the meme. What skillful callouts meme? I didn't have a clue where this this meme came from. All right, keep going. Sorry. So he said, <laughs> map callouts as a concept are not skillful. They are just knowledge based on names and words. Yellow pings do not damage skill. So basically, he argues that I've used this a few times to explain why I feel map callouts, the knowledge, not the use of, are not skillful. Uh, he talks about League of Legends and says that they added respawn timers for jungle camps. At the time, a lot of people hated the change. You're removing skill. You're making the game too easy. You're hurting top level. No one cares because you've enabled skill to be used by removing the need to store. Enabling redundant, Im- unimportant knowledge. Instead of reminding your team you have an objective spawning in 60 seconds, you can instead begin coordinating better. You don't need to scramble because you forget it was respawning. You can coordinate around objectives better. It raised overall health, blah, blah, blah. I don't really agree with his correlation to league because le- leagues is a little different and it, I, that's going into something that I, I don't think most people will really enjoy. But if you ever want to go look at jungle camps or flash timers or anything ridiculous like that, go look at, up a YouTube video from a pro 
I think he's Korean or Chinese. His name's Doyne B. He like, I'm telling you, his he keeps his he never sends chats. What he does is he like will hit enter and he has a ton of timers, just like and he types them while he's playing. And then he hits escape, so it won't send it. So the next time you hit enter, he'll see the timers again. And he's like, he's got timers for so many things going on. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think that's to a point where it is ridiculous. But I think Z pinging like removes the like a lot of the like skilled <laughs> skilled communication. I don't like, yeah, sure. I, the meme is like callouts aren't skillful, they're memorized, which I thought like it's a funny copy pasta. I didn't know where it came from. It just so blew up. My, it just blew up. up our chat, by the way. I was just. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the Z pinging to the point that it is is kind of cheap when you're talking about the best players in the world. There's there's some there's some kills that you get even when you're the guy that gets the kill mid match. You like break your kind of mental focus and you're like, I cannot believe I just got that. And like, and then you like you're keep you keep going because. Before that Z pinging ever came out, there was no way you were ever going to get that. And so I do get the point where people are saying you only should be able to ping equipment, like or like have you know have the red pings. You shouldn't have the the yellow pings on like people's feet. It's unfair. Um, I will say that the meta kind of made that even worse because people like sit still a lot in the current meta, so you can like fry people with Z pings because they're sitting behind shields or it's like way turtled up. So maybe like we'll see that change a little bit. Um, but I do think that like, you don't have to have as much uh, coordination with your team because of these Z pings. Like you can say like a guy is rug, right? Which like rug for us is the top of the white stairs coastline. You can say a guy's rug, but when that guy's swinging either down theater hall or coming out a luggage door, he has to find the guy rug. We don't have coordinate positions other than that. So you can say rug by the window or, you know, something like that to give them a little bit better guess. But, you know, when you ZP ping them, they're coming around and they're pre-firing it and that guy stands no chance. And I, I think that needs to be taken away. Um, there's going to be some people tweeting about um, uh, what uh, EB Mello just tweeted about. Um, and he said that another change with catcher operators, they are less efficient when stacked together. Previously, the first catcher to interact with a projectile would win when no other catcher would try to interact with it. This is no longer the case. Um, if a Wamai is close mm. to a Jaeger, previously the disc would cast the, catch the projectile, but the Jaeger would ignore it. Now, if the disc brings the projectile into range of the ADS, the ADS will zap the projectile, wasting both the disc and the ADS charge, which is very Poor nice. defenders, man. Hmm? I said poor defenders. No, nah, fuck it, It's, it's, <laughs> I, I want to like, uh, Yeah, I'm excited for this new, like, it's the game's going to change drastically. Yeah. And we're going to see who adapts. Well, I don't actually, this is sad because we're not going to figure out who adapts the fastest because the next thing we get to see is like in February if we have SI, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I guess we'll see the SI quals, but that won't be the big teams playing. That'll be the teams trying to fight for their, their last chance spots or whatever. Um, and also too, like, I don't know if all of those are going to be streamed. I know a lot of people like to hide the streams, like whatever, but like, I don't know if we'll really get to see what all this new stuff is for a long time. So that's going to be the craziest part of all of it. Cause the game's yeah. going to change a lot. Um, I so, just want, I want to talk about the Z ping thing that, that does said, um, 
and just way down and just really quickly before we get to, to Canadian's question. Uh, there's a really great video from Rafa, probably one of the greatest FPS players of all time. He plays for Liquid. He plays Quake. Mm-hmm. And there's a really great match that he does where he literally breaks down an entire match against his opponent. And by doing so, he talks repeatedly about timers. There are no timers in Quake. There is a timer up top and you have to annually remember what all the timers are for the different armor shards, for the different weapons, for the different armor pieces, etc. When when those buffs are up. And map control in Quake is effectively how quickly you can rotate and get all of those without losing the timers. And your opponent knows the timers as well, so they know that red armor is up in four seconds. You're going to be coming for it right away before you go off to go get rockets, for example. So they're going to be guarding it and camping it and you have to try to predict that and there's a lot behind it do i think that it would be a weaker game if there were timers above all of it it wouldn't necessarily change it no but at the same time it is impressive and the way that you adapt around that is skillful so i can kind of see what des is saying is he's saying that by removing the fact that you can't communicate something you can now coordinate better around that information because the information is more precise i think there's some legitimacy there At the same time, I don't like that we have taken communication out of the equation for a lot of this. That's just a stylistic change on my behalf. I'll also say, too, from the game's perspective, I actually really like Z-pinging because even if, like, say, like, I was going to play ranked with, like, Skies, and then also, too, we're playing with Crazy, Mm -hmm. all three of us, we have different callouts for things. Like... Skies will say some ridiculous, like they say Tetris for something, which I think is like the boxes and dining for uh, Villa. I think other teams use that call out too, but we don't. So like, I have to think about what Tetris is. So like the Z-Ping along with that, while you're playing with friends who make, have all different call outs or also to like, you don't have enough call outs if you're just a casual player. I do like Z-Pinging for that. I think I'm more of just like behind it for not being in comp play. I mean, the thing for me is, yeah, I would take Z-pinging out of comp play, but I think that it is one of the best advancements for casual Rainbow Six, especially in Europe. One of my greatest frustrations when I lived in Europe was, hi, I'm in North America. I only speak one language. So it's, you know, and and the other thing too is that a lot of Europe is like that. A lot of Germans don't speak other languages. A lot yeah. of A lot of French, you know, don't speak anything other than French. A lot of Brits don't speak anything other than English. Like, it's hell when you end up in a match where it's like two people are Italian, one person's Russian, and one person is French, and only two people in the lobby can communicate with each other. And the only common uniting factor is that everybody knows slurs. You know, it's like you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna do well. Yeah. So it's like you're trying to coordinate and be like, come over here, blah, blah, blah. It's hard to do that. But a ping is obviously a way to help that. I like it very much. I just don't think it should be in comp play, that's all. But Yeah. Agreed. Also, I hate that I have to say Z-Ping. It kills me every fucking time. <laughs> Maybe I should just say Yellow Ping like Des does. Anyway, sorry, Troy, yours. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask this question from Iodize. It's actually the most recent question. Where do you feel like each player fits into the puzzle of a team? Obviously, there's rules, but outside of Siege, what are some of the personal characteristics, characteristics that make uh, them fit so well with the group of guys you have? I'm not, I don't even think you should do it specifically like with our team necessarily i just think it's an interesting question in general like yeah what? i don't uh i don't know how to answer it if i'm not gonna talk about our team yeah, I because guess. 
Um, yeah. Like the reason why our team is the way it is is because that's the way I like decided to build it. Um, and I am very like if you ever talk to me about anything, I'm very teamwork driven. I believe in one unit moving together towards a common goal, and I don't believe that is the only way that you can do it. But that is the way that I believe you can always be the most consistent. And I think that if if you are the best at being that that like teamwork driven team, you'll beat any other playstyle. That's like why I think it's the best is if you have like individual players who are nasty, you can still beat them because you're working together and they're not. Um, and so I, I do feel like you need you you need some kind of um player who's on your team that is very like um kind of demanding i guess i don't know how to say it someone that really wants things to be a certain way and you need a couple people who are okay and loose with like it being fine that it's like they they just want to be like a part of the team and allow it to be that way because you can't like have no goal like no common goal because when the game starts getting hard you need that one person to be like i need it i need this and then everyone can kind of like focus and gather around that and I feel like Rampy and, and, and Fultz are really good at um, examples of guys who are just kind of like, just tell me what like we're supposed to be doing. Cause like, I'm totally down to like do it to win it. And like, you know, and I think you and Bosco are like more of the like, look like this need, like we need to do this. Like I need it to be this way. And I think Bosco's probably the most w- w- of way like that on our team. And he's very vocal about it, <laughs> which, which I love about him. And like, I, I think when he came to our team, it's like when we really, our dynamic changed and it started to really like see it's like true potential. Um, Cause I think Bosco is just like, he goes through it on site. And, uh, and I like that he's able to communicate his problems. And then we kind of have the guy who's, I, I don't know how to explain Nate, but he's just like, you know, along for the ride and like, just wants to win. And, um, He's like just wants to do like his part, you know, and all all parts of like the team that we have are very driven around thing like things need to be said out loud because there's teams that like they can like not really talk to each other or they can go silent and they can win or lose rounds. And it's not like they don't get mad at each other because things aren't said. But like when we lose and like things aren't being said, like we know right away, like our communication is bad. Like we people need to talk. Like we need to say things and like, that's how we, we just like work as a team. And so I think that it's really easy for us to fall off performance if we're not like all contributing to that. So that's how you can see us like lose games. But I do think that like when we are on point, you can't do anything. You won't win. And, and I think that's kind of too, a little bit of like what you see with empire, right? Like, they fell off because like the teamwork and stuff, we were talking about that earlier, but like now, like all of them, you can kind of see them coming back and on the same page and they beat the team that everyone thought was unbeatable. So um, I just love that kind of play, man. Like when you win around with teamwork like that, there's no better feeling. You're just like, damn, like let's go like good round. So. Um, the last question I'm going to ask, then Troy will get the very last question after that, is uh, what goes into determining whether or not a role slash position swap is necessary 
aka when do you decide that a player is not performing their best in a certain spot i think that's kind of um you you see that through play really um I think a good example, like we had Troy trying to IGL and on our entry when he first came on. And then we all like saw like we couldn't get the IGLing done the way that we had envisioned when he joined the team. We had to change it. It needed to be changed to make it work. Um, and so like you, you just kind of it's like you see that things aren't working, but you know that it's like not. I don't know how to say it. it's like not your fault. Like, you know, you don't want to get rid of the person. Like, you know, it's like something's going wrong internally. Like you got to figure out how to move people around that way. Um, I think that sometimes teams use role changes to like bring in something new, which I think is good, but usually you'll see them eventually at some point go back to what their real roles are, because I do feel like most players have like a specific thing that they're very good at. I think it can change over time too, as like you get older, people joke about you moving to support, but there's a very specific reason why that happens. Not because you suck. There's a specific reason why that happens. And um, like, you just kind of, you, you, you're either like, you know, you're a vertical top down player or you're like just a really good, like entry fragger. You're like, you can see people really quick when you come around the corner, everyone kind of has their little niche. Like Nate's very patient. So he's insane on the flank watch. You know, like there's some flank watchers that see a person and they'll go for him. Nate will like make that person make the mistake, you know, and like that makes like makes him so good at like what he does. And there you you know, when you see a person, you're like, they don't really belong on that. And I think Troy kind of hit on it before. Like there's not a lot of good IT players in the world. There's not. And you can see a lot of people when they are either running through sight like. And the execute's going down, they're on the IQ, or you see the IQ planting, and you're like, what is this guy doing? Like, you know, there's a lot of times where you can tell, like, that guy's not an IQ player. And, or, I think even worse, like, they're on the scanner too much, or they're not on, not on the scanner enough. Like, I think there's a lot of ways that you can tell, and you just got to be honest with yourself, which I think is a big problem with a lot of people in this game, is they're too scared to be honest because they don't want to lose their spot. Well, like most of the time when you're honest, you can find a better spot for you before you get kicked. That's a good way of putting it. All right. My final question. How do your kids view your job? Do they understand what you coach and do they follow esports? Uh, they do kind of follow esports, but like at the low, low, very low level. They watch our games because that's like very exciting to them and they like know all of you guys and like they cheer on, they all have their favorites or whatever. Um, but for the most part, they, I play Fortnite with my son and, but he doesn't watch any like Fortnite streams. Uh, it pains me, but I love playing games with him. So I, I play it, but like, yeah, Fortnite's not really my thing. Um, they watch like among us YouTube videos, you know, like they're at the very young stage. They watch a lot of YouTube videos that has to deal with video games um they know that like i am a coach but like i don't think they really understand what that means like they do play soccer and flag football and baseball and they have coaches but it's like you know the very like the coach just tells them what to do and like that's like the only thing they really see for now and then like also too like the the reason why i laughed at the question was because my middle he dressed up as an astronaut for halloween because he wanted to be like his dad so 
there is the part where they don't really get the whole concept, but it is so cool. Mm-hmm. That is the cutest thing that's ever been said on this show. Yes. Like, absolutely adorable. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is the perfect note and very on brand for you to end on. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, I think we've, we have spoken many times on a variety of different platforms. Uh, and I oh, can't, yeah. I cannot say that there has ever been a bad conversation to be had. I don't think you give bad interviews, but I, I always enjoy getting to interview an awful lot. I think that SSG is, is very lucky to have you not even, even if you're not a, a, a good coach, which you are, you are a very good coach, but even if you aren't a good coach, I think they are lucky to have you for your, just your presence and your maturity. And I think for younger players, even having just that, that fatherly figure around to make them eat their vegetables and stay off of Twitter is very important. (laughs) So, and I like that we've been able to spend a, a great portion of this show talking about things that don't necessarily happen in the server, but very much affect what happens in the server because there's an entire yeah. world outside of the game that people forget about and it matters a lot and i think you live and breathe that with all the placards behind you as well <laughs> so yes. so on behalf of both troy and myself thank you for joining us before we go as a courtesy plug your socials for people to find you so that you can never stream and upset your fan base which has been in here <laughs> Yeah, I used to be um, like an R6 on everything. The only exception now is my Twitter. I am I have the OG Lycan tag, just at Lycan. Uh, everything else, Instagram and uh, Twitch, I am Lycan R6. Um, yeah, and I do honestly try to stream. I do. And I do try to take Instagram pictures, but those both I fail miserably at. I If you want to like interact with me content-wise, Twitter's almost always the best place to go. I'm always tweeting, trying to reply to some people, and uh, I'm very active on that. Well, there you have it. And as always, for those of you that are here through YouTube, there will be links down below for all of Lycan's social platforms in hopes that you give them a follow. This was our 19th episode. We're going to break 20. Uh, There will be no episode next week because it's the major. So we're going to take at least a week off. I don't know what's going to happen after that. Hopefully we'll be back the weekend after we might be moving back to Thursdays. Maybe we'll do Sundays. We don't really know (laughs) schedules up in the air. However, if you are in our discord, which I will ensure that the discord link is actually in the video this time around, you'll be able to see what happens next. I would strongly encourage you to do all that. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. The U S major is coming up next week in the NA major tune in SSG will be playing in it. Take care of yourselves and enjoy the rest of your night.